So we don't have really have a ceremony for this. No, there, there's no uh, there's no sacred texts that we have been that we can confer to regarding guests. You're our your first guest. We also never had a, a part of the podcast where we also introduce ourselves or anything. We never officially give our names on the things. We need no introduction. <laughs> our guest might though, but it's uh it's episode twenty and we've got a guest. It's Mir Dragoon. Hey, how's it going? All right, great. Roll roll the theme. Uh, so usually we kick into uh, follow-up. I don't have any, but Lawrence might. I do have some follow-up. I'm sorry, Muir. <laughs> follow-up is the first segment of each of our podcast episodes, and it's also the one that you are completely locked out yeah. of because it's, it's almost exclusively inside baseball from the previous episodes. Quite all right. Did an edited clip of Eve's Gourmet show up in the last episode, or did I imagine that completely? Oh, I, I don't know. I definitely put in, um, I put in David Lynch. I have no... Oh, maybe that's why. Maybe, maybe it's just our recurring rogues gallery of French bastards. <laughs> I, I turned our, our original episode 2 edit of uh, David Lich saying, get real, into like a like an electronic breakdown rap. Uh, <laughs> and that's Ooh. what happened there. I feel like I did do something with Yves Gil- Gilmo at one point to kind of take the piss out of him, but I'm not sure if it actually made into the episode at any well, point. <laughs> I'm very happy to see asshole apologist Yves Grimaud continues to be a recurring character on the Vectorman podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. Somebody's got to take him to task. Oh, and uh, I also have another piece of follow-up, which is last week, or I should say last episode, I mistakenly described the masterpiece J.S. Sebastian's... Sorry, not J.S. Sebastian, that's a Blade Runner character. No, <laughs> Johann Sebastian Bach's Toccata and Fugue in D minor. Uh-huh. It, I said D major, not D minor. <gasps> Fucking it, mess. Heresy. The show every every, every week. We I know. Have I know. Up where Lawrence makes a slight error and has to correct it. <laughs> Don't worry. I locked myself in the chastity cage for the fortnight and lashed myself over each shoulder twenty times in accordance with the the scripts, of the ancient scripts. Oh yes. One last piece of follow up. Uh, last episode, I said Alex Hutchinson, uh, the man, professional bad take machine on Twitter, creative guy at the Stadia. Oh, yes. The guy who I said, uh, Woman or Too Hard the Animate guy from Ubisoft. Well, as it turns out, he is not the Woman or Too oh. Hard the Animate guy from Ubisoft. He, he was very insistent that people correct this error. He sent letters to publications <laughs> repeating this rumor. He is not that person. He is merely someone who iterated the exact same point in a Polygon interview word for word and elaborated upon it further. That's it. He's not the guy. He's not the He's original just a guy. guy. <laughs> He also said that Egypt and China were too boring as settings for Assassin's Creed. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. So, let me remind you that this is the guy who said who made Assassin's Creed 3, which is considered by many to be the boring one. <laughs> oh, the man's no. got plenty of bad takes, don't worry, I've, I've got them for days. He also said that people give more credence or more leeway to Japanese games because of positive discrimination and that their stories are actually gibberish. Holy shit. He sounds like a really nice guy. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> a real charming character. <laughs> Fuck. I thought you were going to bring this up as a way of... We, we slipped up with our allegedlies and, uh, and we were finally taking ourselves to task here for legal reasons. I didn't realize that you were thus setting yourself up for a fucking dog pile. No. 
No, absolutely not. This guy got really indignant over being misquoted, so that's fine. There's plenty of plenty <laughs> bad takes that he's done over the years that I can refer to. Oh, There's man. no wriggling out of this. L- let it be pointed out that he left Ubisoft before Assassin's Creed Origin was made. It was made immediately after he left, so he was holding it back. He was the bad guy. Wow. But he hasn't raped anyone that we know of, so that's good. Props to him for that, that we know of. Yet, yeah, allegedly. Yeah, allegedly, allegedly. allegedly. This is now the segment where we usually do the, the Fecta Man live plug, but mm-hmm. uh, the only thing I have for that is is in my week section. So we're not going to do the Fecta Man live plug, but we're going to use this as a chance to talk to Muir about his Twitch channel, because that's exactly what he's putting most of his time and effort from an outsider's perspective into. So mm. makes a good chance to, to check in on what he's been up to on his channel, which, for those interested, is twitch.tv slash Muir Dragoon. That's twitch.tv slash your dragoon. Uh, Muir, what you been up to this week? I have a Twitch channel. What? I, I... <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Have this I got is... the wrong guy? <laughs> this, this is the, the only good day, I'm telling you. Now, on, on my Twitch channel, um, yeah, we've been doing all sorts of stuff this past week. Uh, I stream three nights a week and uh, have a slightly different thing that we do each night. So mm. uh, Mondays is like the community uh, choice game and we've been doing uh, I've been playing Life is Strange Before the Storm that's right listeners this guy's got a community <laughs> ain't that something <laughs> it is such a tearjerker game it really, really really is yeah it it like hits you in all the feels um, so <laughs> we started off with the original back in May uh, I played through that and then asked everyone I said w- would you like me to do the entire series and, and everyone's like yeah do the entire yeah. series so <laughs> that that's what we're working on now and uh, after you do this so, uh, I mean I guess if the community demands it are you going to try out uh, the same developers latest offerings I can't remember what it's called it was it's not a way out but it is something like that uh, it is called tell me why that's the one yeah yeah that is that is on the list so yeah once once we get through the uh, the entire series including captain spirit or as i usually end up calling the game um captain underpants and i, and I don't know why i call it <laughs> captain underpants actually i do it's, it's that because there's a youthful charm to yeah, it yeah well there is that um cartoon called captain underpants wasn't there back in yes. the 90s was it I think he's still around. I think he's surprisingly popular. So yeah, there was a film of him very recently, actually. No, I think it was a little bit more recent than the '90s. I think it was the mid 2000s. I think was it? Yeah. Wow. There was okay. a series of books, and then there was the cartoon. Uh, yeah, he had yeah. a DreamWorks animated film come out in 2017, so he's still about. Holy cow! Okay, I don't feel that old anymore. Now that's cool. That's <laughs> <laughs> all right. It's all right. Yeah, that feeling's going to be in short supply as time goes by. So hold on yeah, to it. Yeah, cherish definitely. it. Um, so yeah, that, that's the plan is, is to go through the entire series, um, including the, the new series, which, uh, or the new game, which I think is in the same universe, but is nothing to do with, with the original games. So I noticed you have a, a virtual tour thing with Fallout 76 mm. where you go around. Yep. What is it? It's, it's West Virginia going, this is a thing that exists in real life. And I thought that's interesting. That's a cool, that's a neat concept. cool show. The one that I've very, very luckily caught a, a good number of times and have always enjoyed. Oh, glad to hear that. Yeah, that's that's Friday's stream. We we do the the Fallout seventy six, and what I do is uh, I choose a handful of of locations, and we explore those locations. And uh, yeah, I, I go over the lore and in game lore and history. And if there's a real life equivalent, we talk about the uh, 
the real life equivalent history as well and combine uh, compare the two. So it's kind of like a, a Twitch calls it mixed reality. <laughs> Give it a lofty name. Is is it Fallout seventy six for this segment of your show for the foreseeable future, or from the looks of it, it looks like you're a big Fallout fan anyway. So I could understand if that's like you're going you're going to be on that potentially for the run of this entire segment. Do, do you ever delve into other sort of virtual tours, or is there any plans in the future to do so? Uh, right now, it's going to be um, Fallout universe. So the idea with Fallout seventy six is once uh, once we've gone to every place on the map, um, mm-hmm. then Which I'm. Could I'll, take- a lifetime. <laughs> yeah. Uh, once we've gone to every place in the, the map in Fallout 76, then we're going to start with Fallout 3, do Ooh. everything on that map, uh, all the, the locations, and then uh, Fallout New Vegas, and then Fallout 4. And then if they make a, another single-player Fallout, then we'll, we'll add that as well. Yeah, by the, by the time you've, you've filled out the tour quota, I'm sure that's there'll they'll be Fallout 5 on the periphery. <laughs> Oh yeah, I mean, I, I can I can see going through all the Fallout games. Um, that's probably going to take at least five years plus. So perfect, awesome. All right, and uh, and what's the th- sorry? There's a third section of your of your Twitch channel. Yeah, that is uh, tied to the virtual travels again. Um, only with mm. with the and it's on Wednesdays. So instead of doing it in a game. Um, what I do is during the week, I'll look through, um, videos and websites and like, I'll choose a, a c- different country, uh, each month. And we'll take a look at that country and through videos and websites, uh, see, you know, basically virtually visit each, each place, mm-hmm. uh, places in the country. Uh, so we're doing Turkey this month and, uh, we've been to, uh, we went to Istanbul last week and went around Hagia Sophia and the Blue Mosque and other uh, places, the Grand Bazaar, and t- took a look at it. So it, the way the reasoning behind this virtual tour uh, is since, you know, the whole COVID-19 thing and all the lockdowns and mm. restrictions on travel, uh, people who might not be able to travel anymore because of these restrictions, at least by going into my stream, they can get a little bit of, ta- yeah, of a they, taste. they get their fix. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's what I've really appreciated for as somebody who really enjoys tourism. Everything I've tried to book this year has completely fallen through. Uh, from sometime in March, I was supposed to go to London to see the Overwatch League live. And then uh, every single other plan I've had, I was at one point supposed to be going to Morocco. I was at one point supposed to be going to Scotland. Everything has completely fallen Ooh. through this year. But... I have found some solitude in watching these little virtual tours. And if they wanted to be able to watch your content, Mirror, where would they be able to find um, you? Well, I'm on Twitch, as, as Lee said a minute ago. I'm on twitch.tv slash MirrorDragon. That's uh, spelled M-U-I-R-D-R-A-G-O-N-N-E. And I use that name across the internet. So if you search MirrorDragon... Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll be able to find me pretty much wherever I'm at. So yeah, if you if you swap out the Twitch for Twitter, he's also quite yep. quite active on Twitter, so it's good. All right, that's that's our all that's right. Well, Factor uh, Men Live plug that <laughs> has no Factor Men Live. <laughs> before, well, yeah, we should probably amend that. Uh, just real quick, if you would like to see Lee persistently unable to pronounce the word bilge. <laughs> <laughs> twitch.tv forward slash vectorman live that's twitch.tv forward slash vectorman live what, yeah, what no. word is that again lee bilge i i believe i kept saying bile bile or 
Bilgi? Bilgi, I, yeah. I don't know how it's pronounced. I just don't. I think I know what it is. It's like a it's like a mechanism, right? It's uh when in the context that the that amnesia is using it, it refers to bilge water, which is water that accumulates in the hull of a ship or over uh, some kind of airtight container or some kind of like container that they need to pump out. Like filthy, rusty water that they need to pump out of the machine. Uh, I, I had, That's I had water. no idea what I was talking about then, and certainly didn't pronounce it right. <laughs> the game does seem awfully fond of using that word, so... <laughs> start with Lawrence. Lawrence, what you been up to this week? Did you, did you ever, because I was on, we, we've been gone for two weeks. We took a break. Mm-hmm. Uh, and while I was on Steam for, for these two weeks, I kept seeing you start up Amnesia Machine for Pigs. Did you manage to tame this fucking thing? Because it seems to be going wild. <laughs> I at last was able to wrangle control of my destiny from this game. I was able to tame it. <laughs> I was able to play it only crashing on loading screens, which I'm fine with because it saves on loading screens, so I'm happy with that. I had to go through considerable lengths in order to ensure this. I went to the Frictional Games Discord server, I asked around, I pestered people, I had to show them a log from the HPL engine that was in the file somewhere, and they looked at it and they went, huh, that shouldn't be doing that, that's very interesting, and then offered me no assistance whatsoever. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Eventually, I <laughs> It wasn't the staff of the studio itself. I think it was uh, administrators that they had chosen to enforce the Discord, basically. Mm -hmm. So uh, it probably wasn't the studio, but I've got my eyes on you guys. (laughs) In any case, I was able to eventually find a way. I updated drivers. I restarted my machine. I made sure that there was nothing else using any kind of visual RAM whilst I was playing it. And I was able to get it going at a decent level of quality, in full screen, at a decent aspect ratio, and it only crashed during loading screens, which I'm cool with. So yes, I was able to finish Amnesia, a machine for pigs. Congratulations. And uh, how did you find it in the end? An interesting, it had a very interesting emotional arc, Mm. I have to say, because the bit that I popped into your stream to go, oh, you're further along than I am, better get out of here. Uh, yeah, was... I, I should, I should, uh, I should preface this and and say before we get in any further, I also played a machine for pigs on a whim on on Twitch channel this week, and and thus we have uh, maybe one of the very few shared experiences on this podcast. Hmm. <laughs> uh, I was only right before that spot, and I got to it very quickly. And uh, I mentioned previous episode about how the tension release cycle in this game is bonkers, and I was shitting my pants basically the entirety of the way through the game. <laughs> well, I just after that point, there's a an area where you get into a dumbwaiter, and it crashes into like a sewer level. And mm. um, From that point onwards, I'm not sure why, but I wasn't scared ever again for the rest of that game. Instead, <laughs> it was replaced by a feeling a lot more interesting and fascinating, which is... Where is this going? Mm. What is happening? This is fascinating. You know, it goes from being a a spooky, scary horror story to something altogether much more interesting. Yeah, the the mystery and your character's relationship to it, I found really compelling. So much so that I, I also had the exact same experience. There was a point, maybe the yeah, when the dumb waiters are first introduced. That is that was the part where I'm like, okay, this is going to get this is going to become a real horror game now. They're going to ask me to cl- mm-hmm. to fiddle and climb into these things every time. Uh, and then almost exactly the same way it happened for you. It just stopped being scary, and I kind of it was more like a 
a tense dar frill ride after that point. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a moment in particular right after the sewers where you get to like a, a holding slash living area for the enemies of the game up till that point. And uh, there is a number of cells with a, a circular window that you can peer through to look at them. Mm. And from that point onwards, I find it impossible to be frightened of them ever again. Because in addition to getting a good look at them, they're also treated like they're, they're pathetic. They're pitiful. You feel bad for them. Like, uh, one of them is stacking blocks and knocking it over and then stacking them over and over again. Another one is, like, it sees you looking at him in the window and it turns his back to you in disgust. <laughs> and I was like, oh. There is one that you, you come to a cell and one kind of leaps at you for a second then realizes, oh, he's he's not actually afraid of you now that he can get a look at you. And he just sort of mm-hmm. sits down kind of looks yeah, sad. Yeah, he, get, he gets choked <laughs> he get he gets choked by one of the chains that's holding him to the wall. Pretty pretty miserable stuff, but you're right, not scary. Fascinating. Mm-hmm. Empathy goes wild playing it. But the uh mm-hmm. But not 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 the spook fest that I thought it was supposed to be, which I didn't Still mind. Still a good horror game, but the the kind of horror that it is shifts dramatically. It becomes a more sort of Oh, this is horrible. The scale, the, the 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 devastation. It's terrible. Oh, the humanity. That kind of horror. Mm. The increase in scale is unprecedented in the series. Like in Amnesia: The Dark Descent, like things basically stay scary on a personal level, and uh, the worst that happens, like there's implied to be hundreds of people being tortured or something like mm. that that have been tortured over the course of several decades. And you're like, oh, that's terrible. The scale of it. But no, this game goes bonkers. Yeah. Only fitting, I suppose, for the industrial age. That it would scale things up. That this is his assembly line industrialized evil. But uh, there's a moment in particular where you go outside and an, an atrocity is happening. And you're like, this is getting a lot. This is getting out of hand. I was never <laughs> expecting things to get this big. Yeah. Like there's a sequel that takes place after this game. And I'm like, do they reference the events taking place here? Because I feel like this would be difficult to cover yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. It's got, it's got its whole War of the Worlds thing. Yeah, it's... Hard to say this didn't happen to a whole bunch of people. Especially because it, it, it's quite funny because they're doing their best, but it's very clear that the HPL engine is not intended for this kind <laughs> of spectacle. This is the moment that for me, this was firmly solved into the games for Lawrence category. This is a game for Lawrence. This is a game for me. I love this because terrible things are happening. Interesting ideas are being played out. There's a man talking over the machine, pontificating, using a thesaurus and a dictionary for all that they're worth. And then Mandis is just sitting there, flailing his fists at the sky, going, What have I become? <laughs> Where did I go wrong? What have I done? And I'm like, yeah, this game's for me. This is pretty good. <laughs> the kind of tortured horror. Um, I mm-hmm. suppose we should ask... Muir, if you have played Amnesia Machine for Pigs or any game in the Amnesia series. Uh, yes and no. Um. <laughs> <laughs> That's an interesting on-the-fence answer. Yeah, I, I've played... I imagine that would be most people's reaction yeah. to the Amnesia series. <laughs> Maybe I, you I, did, but you just don't remember. I, I played Dark Descent um, for about, according to Steam, I've played it for 2.2 hours, mm. but... I know for a fact that I have not completed the game. Um, I barely remember the game, except what I can remember of, of Dark Descent was that um, I got a little ways in, and then no matter what I did, I died. It's like, if I stood still, I died. If I mm. moved even one inch, I died. Uh, <laughs> was that the uh, the water monster, perchance? I think it might have been, yeah, and I just could not get past it at all so i gave up 
<laughs> I, I was very lucky to have Lawrence in the room the day I did that uh, because mm-hmm. once it, he kind of made clear without saying that it was a bit of a puzzle rather than a, an action section and I would have mm-hmm. never have figured it out <laughs> if he had been like, hmm, doing stuff, that might be a nope. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like, uh, yeah, it was very much me trying to maintain the horror atmosphere whilst at the same time doing that thing from Jurassic Park where he leans over and tilts her head with his hand and looks in the right direction. <laughs> so I've watched people play Dark Descent and uh, Machine of Pigs, and I like watching people play it, and it mm. is a game that... that the series, they're, they're games that I would love, I, I really, really want to love. You know, I want to love playing them. But yeah, mm-hmm. I, I just, just couldn't get, can't get into them for some reason. Is it because you're a scurred? <laughs> <laughs> oh god, I, I played Layers of Fear, dude. You know? <laughs> Layers of Fear shares a lot of similarities with a machine for pigs in that it's a mostly walking simulator that is scary. So perhaps if if you if you were able to play Layers of Fear, then a Machine for Pigs might be a better choice for you than the Dark yeah, Descent. Possible, at least yeah. as a jumping off point. I uh, I tried to revisit Dark Descent over the Halloween period and very quickly found myself noping the fuck out in a way that I didn't have any trouble with in any of the other games. The way that game handles atmosphere and, t- and tension is... I believe too much for me. There are games that I can still ha- I can still be a fucking chicken about. I mean, maybe the streaming invincibility would change that. I didn't stream it. Mm, I, yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Maybe if you streamed it, you would have the you know the thousand eyeballs, mm. the pressure of a thousand eyeballs that to rally me on. on. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I, I give it a shot solo, and I was nope. <laughs> this is too much. Yeah, I can tell you. Streaming a streaming a horror game is a lot different than playing it completely on your own. Uh, mm. It just really, really adds a, a whole new um, angle to to playing the game. A whole new layer of fear. You could say that, yes. <laughs> uh, so, how how did the rest of your amnesia uh, machine for picks go? How how did you find how did you find the the narrative conclusion? It was great. I loved it. It's 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 like yeah, this is your shit, Lawrence. This is for you. <laughs> like, uh, did you ever read uh, Alan Moore's From Hell? No. There's a lot of thematic resonance with that work because that's a that's a retelling of the the Jack the Ripper story. Correct. And uh, in that story, Jack the Ripper or the person who it's a it goes by a, a conspiracy theory that's since been debunked that. It was the royal physician, William Gull, who was the killer, who was acting in behalf of the Freemasons or something like that. But he's a a bit of a a loose cannon and that he's deranged and he's murdering these women almost as part of some kind of ritual in order to ensure the dominion of man over women over the next century. Mm Mm-hmm. He very much sees the the murdering of these women as a part of a greater ritual where he is acting as the midwife of the 21st century. He is delivering the 21st century on all of its terrors. And that is yeah, something I, that I, I was thinking about a lot. Mm. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, yeah, this game does that a lot as well, which is the 20th century is coming. I have seen a vision of the 20th century and it is terrible. I will try to prevent it from happening. I will by, make it happen. By along being my... actively ter- terrible, but... For less mm-hmm. terror down the line. Mm-hmm. Uh, I suppose the motivation being is that at least he has control over his destiny in this regard, as opposed to just letting it happen where he doesn't. <laughs> in, in any case, uh, I liked it a lot. I like the scary bits. 
for being scary, mm-hmm. and I like the interesting bits for being interesting. And I love the writing. I love the way that people talk in this. Just the right amount of bombastic chewing the scenery when the situation <laughs> calls for it. Yeah. Some nice Victorian gothic melodrama. Very nice. It does a good job of making the machine feel like a living thing. Mm, mm-hmm. A living thing, and you're running through its guts. I know. It does that thing that I really love. I guess action games can do this too, but uh, definitely in horror games, they they pull you out of the, the nightmarish scenario for just long enough to get comfortable and think, oh, it's over, and then they say, all right, now you're going back in. And not only that, you're going deeper than you've ever went. You're like, ah, oh, No, they're going to push your head under the water. It was like, every once in a while, you know, when you're done playing all the, the AAA stuff and, you know, the gameplay-heavy sort of indie games, you'll just bump into a game that reminds you the importance of good writing, mm. where you go, ooh, that's some strong fucking writing right there. That's some good shit. And this th- this gave me that feeling, and it's always a good feeling, and I'm always happy when I feel it. Awesome. Uh, what was the other thing you did this week? Before I do that, there's an inst- interesting bit of trivia about this game. You may have noticed during the credits uh, that they thank the great unknown masses of piggy fodder what did scream for us. <laughs> okay. What? Uh, that is because... Prior to this game's release during development, they put out a crowdsourcing request uh, for people to submit themselves recordings of them screaming into their microphones Uh. so they could use it in the game. (laughs) Fun fact, I was probably too late for it to be submitted, but I did in fact submit a scream for this game. So who knows, maybe it's in there. Maybe it is. How cool. Well, there you go. Anyway. Effective man. We're all over Amnesia Machine for Pigs, potentially. (laughs) Mm. And the credits end with a Leon Trotsky quote. Ooh, classism. Very good. Also, he has Trot in his name, so it's yeah, a pun, uh, too. It's good. Lovely. It's good stuff. Oh, they had that, that higher brain juice. Mm, yes. Many layers. Many layers of fear. <laughs> yes, I uh, I played one other game this week, and it was one I was at... We're entering into the, ooh, university deadlines are creeping up, trying to try, go for them one-shots. Gotta get them one-shots in. So I played a game called Minute. Minute, yes. That's by half of the guys in Flambeer, isn't it? That's right. In fact, I was you just reminded me that I was supposed to have his name up here so I could say it directly, but I forgot. Jan Willem Niesman. Oh, yes, okay. Uh, sure. I got it. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> you wanted it, but I got it. No, I was like, is that how it's pronounced? I'll let Lee take the flack on that one. <laughs> he can take the hit there. Yes, Minute is a, uh, a 2D top-down adventure game in the way... Of Zelda. It's very short. In fact, I'm pretty sure I beat it in under two hours. It's black and white. It's two bit. Very very Baba is you graphics wise. Mm. Except there's even less graphics than Baba is you because Baba you has color. This is just black and white. The, The premise of this game is that you can only interact with the world in iterations of 60 seconds and then you die and you restart at a checkpoint. So it's a lot like and then things are undone whenever you die. It's a lot like Majora's Mask. Except instead of iterations of three days, it's iterations of 60 real-time seconds. Mm-hmm. And I thought, ah, this will be grand. I'll crank this one out in two hours. And I did. Surprise, surprise. I actually, things went smoothly, com- completely according to the plan, and I had a good time doing it. I know, I was surprised too. <laughs> yeah, it is so, I believe I own it. I think I got it. Uh, it's in the racial equality bundle all the way back there in episode one. It's, it's beginning to seem like I'm making more progress in that thing by accident than you are by choice. Oh. I I did I did play what do you call it like out of out of that seventeen game list I did once I played like five or six in that in the bundle 
so I mean, I, I have a I have a bit of headway. There's just a it's just a bunch of crap, and also <laughs> there's games that are like too small to bo- warrant talking about. Like I did, mm, I suspect that minute might be one of them because I'm struggling with things <laughs> to say about it. But go ahead. Yeah, well, it's it's like um uh like social social democratic simulator, uh which mm-hmm. I did talk about with you on recording day, uh but never made the cut because it was just. It's it's a really good game, but it's just too small to be like. Here's a conversation that like all it would have amounted to is, yeah, I put some time into this. It was quite good. It only took about an hour to beat, and uh, recommend it. <laughs> Minute plays with its premise in like uh, some small ways that I do like. Like uh, there's an enemy, not an enemy. There's an NPC on the western side of the map who gives you a hint to find a treasure, but he speaks. Very slowly, oh, no. so he's wasting <laughs> your time, and the text for his conversation is creeping out very slowly, so Jeez. you need to have a lot of time ready out of the 60 seconds in order to let him tell you the truth, and then he'll talk a little bit in the middle about how he saw some boats today out in the harbor, <laughs> and he waved at them. Genius. Yeah, just little... In games like this, like uh, the gameplay is solid, yes, but... You remember the little things like that, the little bits of character. Uh, is this something you've ever played, Muir, or uh, have you played anything I've, like it? I've heard of it, but no, I've, I've not played it myself, no. That's all right. Well, that's what the, that's what the show's for. Recommendations. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I have been told by Lee a couple of times now that, to my horror, my opinions and recommendations have already been heated, and I'm now technically an influencer. <laughs> Gasp. But it's not nice. There's nothing nice about it. It fills me with dread, the idea that people might actually be listening to me and making actions in the real world based upon that. Terrifying. It's not, it's not, it's not what we started this for. <laughs> no, no. We're being slowly corrupted by power as time goes by. <laughs> it's going to go to my head eventually. Oh, I'm relating to this Oswald Mandis character a little bit too much. Soon I'll be asking people to put on a black shirt and go into the streets, start goose-stepping. <laughs> in any case, that was my week. Good stuff. All right, uh, Muir, do you, do, have have you played anything this week, and or do you get to play anything that's not on stream? I guess is a is a good question to ask because obviously you stream a lot, so therefore there's a, a lot of your content's out there for people to see. Do you do you find time in the gaps to play stuff that's just for you, or is it always streaming? Oh no, I, I play. Um, well, this week alone, I've played. Hold on, let me let me count one, two, three. Four? Four games this past week. Wow. Yeah. Um, in addition Excellent content. That's in addition to streaming. I haven't finished any of them, but I have played some of them, you know? Uh, we, we, we are certainly not demanding any, anyone on this show finish something. Uh, so what, what have you been playing? Uh, well, um, I play with my partner and my sister-in-law and her husband and a friend of ours, uh, Seven Days to Die. We all get together a couple of times at, at night you know, in the evenings, during the week, and, and we'll play for a couple of hours each time. Alright. I, I don't really know if I know this. Seven, <laughs> seven days, days to like... die. Is that a seven day? Yeah, is that it a is, zombie yeah. Game? It's a surviving... Uh, surviving? It's a zombie survival <laughs> game. I tried to combine the two words then. Um, but yeah, basically every seven days uh, you get this a blood moon, you know, where the moon turns red. And you get these huge hordes of zombies that uh, converge upon your base that you've built, and you have to try to survive. That's why it's called Seven Days to Die, because you have exactly seven days between each major huge horde. Cool. And it, it's it's 
really loads of fun to, to play with, with friends. Uh, it's not so much fun to play on your own, but... The classic Left for Dead problem. Nobody enjoys yeah, exactly, Left for yeah. Dead alone. Mm. <laughs> uh, cool. I like the idea that we could start calling this genre surviving games. <laughs> you know, Daisy, that's the classic one. That's yeah, the yeah. example. <laughs> a surviving masterpiece. Uh, um, what else have you been playing? Um, I've been playing a game called Generation Zero. Man, yeah, uh, I'm learning a lot today. Yeah, it's <laughs> Generation <laughs> Zero is a game set on a fictional island off the coast of Sweden, I believe. It's set in the 80s, and it's all about how these... Uh, Four teenage friends were uh, out boating, um, having a party basically on a boat uh, over the weekend, and they came back and they found that their the island that they lived on was like overrun by these all these uh, robot mechanic or mechanical oh, robots. You know what? I've seen a friend of mine, uh, Andy Clark, frequent mention. Andy Clark, I'm fairly certain sent me uh, sent me footage of him playing this. I remember being quite creeped out because it can be kind of it's a surviving game. It's another surviving game, also Left for Daddy. I remember him sending me footage of it being nighttime and just in, in the darkness, a shuffling robotic Hulk creeping around, and I, it looked genuinely unnerving. Yeah, it can be. Um, it's really good for for exploration because um, I, I love exploring games. So mm. um, I'll, I'll be like exploring the map. And all of a sudden, you'll be like pitch black, and I can barely see anything. You can turn your flashlight on, but if you do that, it alerts the robots that might be near you that you can't see. So you're like, if I turn my flashlight on, then the robots are definitely going to see me. Oh, no. (laughs) But if I don't turn it on, then I'm not going to be able to see them because very few of them have lights themselves. So you're like creeping around in the dark, and all of a sudden, you hear a a loud rah, klaxon, and you just jump out of your skin. Ah, <laughs> uh, fuck that. <laughs> I'm looking at the uh, the aesthetic for this, and it, it reminds me a lot of... Oh, what's his name? I'm looking up here. Yes, uh, well, there's no avoiding this pronunciation. Uh, Simon Sterlinghag. He's a, a very famous Scandinavian artist who does lots of cyberpunky. It's Sweden, but with like interesting twists on it. Uh, oh, I'm looking at the Wikipedia page here. Apparently... The, it's actually mentioned the artistic style of this game has been frequently likened to the artwork of si- well, Simon okay. Sterling, <laughs> included Good by shout. the artist himself. <laughs> However, despite perceived similarities, Avalanche Studios has denied that the style of the game has been inspired or motivated by Sterling Hag's art. Sterling so, Hag uh, hmm. calling them out himself, but they're like, "Fuck that guy, not a, not us." <laughs> no, what us? How dare you, sir? What? No. It's just a Swedish wilderness, like the ones that you draw, that is also post-apocalyptic and overrun by hulking mechanical monsters. But I don't yeah, see no, it. No similarities whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. uh, do, so do you play this with uh, your, your partner and sister-in-law as well? Uh, no, no, I play this one on my own. Um, right. I used to have it on a multiplayer server uh, where random people could jump in. But then I turned it to a private server because I was getting people who had cheating mods enabled. Uh, so they would like spawn 50 robots all at once. Uh, and they would have like unlimited ammo. And I'm like, no, dude, you're, you're just ruining the, the game. 
You can so, just say you can just say what you mean. You were just sick of their shit. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to like they they came in, they were cheating, they ruined the game feel. Like, oh no, they were just assholes. <laughs> you don't gotta apologize to these people. Don't take any guff from these swine. Just yeah. So yeah, after like the fifth person in one day that did that, I'm like, no, you know, forget this, and I, I <laughs> put it all in private. And I've been playing on my own, so I've got this huge giant map. All, all to my, my lonesome, and I'm thoroughly yeah. enjoying it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sounded like a negative. Sounded like you were building into a sort of a sad portrait of a man lost in his own world. I am world. the lone survivor <laughs> of the robot apocalypse. <laughs> oh, yeah. That'll be this week's uh, analogy for the for the quarantines. Oh, no, it's been spoiled earlier because he talked about COVID, so the thing's been ruined. Oh, we should probably have told you about that. We have a style guide here Uh-oh. at Vector Man Mirror, which is Due to because people you've noticed no doubt all your favorite content providers they don't like talking about COVID they just say in these trying times or in this usually they have a reason which is that they have money on the line that is dependent on some sort of algorithm mm-hmm. but we just do it for fucking shits and yes giggles. yeah they they don't like talking about it because it makes them lose money because they're all they're all chained to the man man they're all part of the establishment. <laughs> So to make fun of them, we just make something up every week. Like, what was it? We were attacked, you know, the underground uprising of chuds. <laughs> did we do uh, that one? I like it. Cannibals. The, yeah, we did. The the Grey Goo scenario. Asteroids. The mar- the Great Marmite right. Super Volcano. Oh, well, then you guys are going to love the third game that I've been playing this week. Ooh, good segue. Oh, ho, ho. Graveyard Keeper. Graveyard Keeper. Graveyard Keeper. My God. Where do you find these things? <laughs> Graveyard Keeper um, is think Stardew. I am. I'm looking at it, and I'm thinking Stardew quite heavily. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's it's not really a spoiler because they show it right at the beginning of the game. So your mm. character dies by car accident, as in he's like run over by a car, and he finds himself in this medieval town where s- suddenly he's classic, the graveyard classic. keeper. Cool. <laughs> oh, I like it. I like the style. I like the logo because it's a happy skeleton man giving you a thumbs up. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> yeah, into that. So I, I just started the game and, and I'm really enjoying it. It's so much fun. Uh, so I guess it's kind of like, uh, I, I mean, instead of vegetation or maybe you still do farming? Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, you do everything that you do in Stardew. Um, Except you must occasionally contend with the undead. Um, well, your your teacher is an animated skull that talks and demands that you bring him beer and wine. Mm, I like that. I like it. Up. And in addition to doing all the farming and, and you know odd quests for that the villagers want you to do, um, you also have to keep up with the local graveyard and uh, by uh, dead bodies are brought to you, you take them down into the morgue, you um, do an autopsy where you get a piece of meat off of the body and then you bury the body. Do you, do you eat the meat? <laughs> You're like Luke well, the cannibal. <laughs> you, you can you, you can sell the meat to the barkeeper, and that's that's that's. I, we'll just leave it there. <laughs> that's the last you hear about that. <laughs> I like that. I, I, I like the I like the lack of elaboration upon that. <laughs> we don't ask what he does with it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But he pays for it. This looks Let's, like it would be great to play on the Switch. What do you play it on? A PC. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> you fucked it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I own a Switch, but I barely play on it because I've got so many PC games that I... <laughs> mm. Mm, yes, part of the reason why Lee and I began this podcast, because it provided with, a, with a, an excuse and a framework through which we may go through our inexhaustible 
Sisyphean Steam game li- yeah. library. But I have to say, so ends. far, been quite successful. Uh, I, I mean, the task will never end. No. but <laughs> we can make a dip- we get a fair dent on it. <laughs> uh, and you had a fourth game? Yeah, it's a bit of a letdown compared to the other three, but it, it's called Jewel Match Solitaire Two. <laughs> yes. I think we can infer all that we need to know from the name alone. I am going to Google it anyway. <laughs> it's literally a solitaire game where you um <laughs> love it. You collect jewels by clearing the solitaire game board of its cards, and you use those jewels to build castles. Right. <laughs> and do you play this on PC as well? This looks like kind of like a phone game. Yeah, it's. It I, I really think compl- complicated for a phone game. Yeah, it's um, it's it's on PC. Yeah, it's a Steam game. I, I'm just glad I'm not the only person who's brought a, like a traditional game to this podcast. Uh, <laughs> just, just got chewed out for bringing what do you call it, fifty two or fifty one all time classics to the board once or oh mahjong. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, love pa- I love painting a picture that lo- like without prior knowledge, Lawrence. It's just like. An absolute monster to work with behind the scenes. <laughs> You'll be cutting that out later. Uh, you, sometimes you want to play a game, but you want to catch up on your on your podcasts and your YouTube yes. videos and whatever, you know. So yes, exactly. Solitaire is like a perfect game to play while you're listening to podcasts. Oh my god, that's like exactly this one, the case. Uh, that's why I was playing Mahjong that time, to, to listen to an audiobook that was the... It was the perfect one. That it was so mindless, but you kept yourself busy so you could pay attention to what you were listening to. I look forward to playing Jewel Match Solitaire One to make sure I get the full context. <laughs> yeah, get the brainworm experience. Them, I just want to make sure that I have all the context for the no doubt very in depth story that justify a sequel. Is there a story? No. That's all right. That's good. It's probably for the best. I mean, I'm just looking at the cards, and they seem to have like well-drawn figures on them. I wondered if they were, like, related to the world, like, Gwent style. Uh, that's a hell- that's- that's- that's a very, uh, action-packed week, I have to say. Do you have anything else you want to push for this week? Okay, is there anything else you want to talk about, or will I transition us away? Uh, n- no, no, it's fine, you can transition away, because th- those are literally the only four games I've played. I mean, unless you want me to talk about what I did on Twitter with- with Sims 4. Uh, I didn't see this, but, uh, yes, obviously I want you to talk about that. That sounds fucking amazing. <laughs> okay. I'm already, that, I'm that already was, sold. That was, that was last week, but I, I can talk about it if you really want me to. <laughs> uh, absolutely. I don't know, there's no low bar for content on this. No. As I said, there was a section where I talked about Mahjong one day, so I mean, we're, we've, we've, we've firmly put a floor on this. No, it's turtles all the way down. <laughs> it was, uh, well, weekend before this past weekend, mm. um, I decided that I was going to play The Sims 4 which I haven't played in ages. I just got the sudden urge to play it. Uh, and I decided, instead of just doing what I normally do in The Sims and creating me as a character and trying to, to live out a dream life that I will never see. <laughs> never accomplish. Uh, yeah. Um, live out the American dream, which as we all know yeah. is a lie. Yeah, I decided that I was going to make uh, three characters and lock them inside of a house together. Uh-huh. And I made, the three characters that I made were named Donald, Boris, and Nigel. <laughs> Can I just say, I typed in Sims 4 into the search engine just to remind myself which one it is. And every single image that I can see 
Every single promotional image looks like the thumbnail to some kind of Elsa Gate video. <laughs> uh, so okay, these these rowdy boys shared a space. How'd that go? Yep. Um, it went interestingly. I mean, I only played them for like one one in-game week. You know, seven well, seven sim days, which is basically a quarter of a year in The Sims, uh, and they didn't like kill each other, but. Uh, <laughs> Let's just say no one liked Donald. I'm just was... reading this. <laughs> I'm, I'm scrolling through the timeline and seeing a picture of day five, 8.53 p.m. After realizing that no one in the idiot leader's house likes him, Donald decides to take a nap on the small sofa, and the picture is so sad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I instead of streaming it or making a video, um, my I, at first I thought, I'll, I'll make a video of this, and then reality kicked in, and actually kicked me upside the head and said, no, Muir, if you make a video, you will, no one will ever see it. <laughs> so Sometimes I that's took, a good <laughs> kick to get from reality. Yeah. Like, don't so waste I, your time. Thanks, reality. Yeah. So I took screenshots and put it up on Twitter instead and told a story. <laughs> Day 6, 12.45 p.m. Trump just got the results from Pennsylvania. <laughs> oh. I guess this is our, our first podcast back after the election <coughs> results. Mm-hmm. And, tr- and Trump won. We live in that universe. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, somehow. Uh-huh. Jesus fucking Christ. We should just, we should just from every episode here on in, uh, act as though we live in a parallel universe where Trump won. Jesus. Just keep up the fiction. Why? <laughs> Keep yeah, the one he he's pushing on everyone. Yeah, it, it, it was all it was all a ruse. It was all a, a work. It was a, a trick. We thought that this was a, a a topical slice of life gaming podcast, but the truth of the matter is, it's actually a speculative fiction one that uh, <laughs> we suckered you in. The first twenty episodes was all just a it was all just the lull you into a false sense of security. Yeah, personally, I've always believed everything I've read on Twitter, especially when a marker comes up saying this is not true mm-hmm. so uh this uh, i i choose to live in this world anyway what a what a week to take off fuck me it's just the world burning good for biden though mm-hmm. congrats yeah <laughs> not oh i can't i can't wait for all of us to turn on him in several months time when he turns out the, oh, yeah. the messiah that we think he is oh i can't wait <laughs> well anyway i'm sure that was fun enough to make the <laughs> to make the podcast <laughs> Oh yeah, listeners! I hope you weren't hoping for some kind of escapism in in your in your friendly video yeah. game podcasts. There's no escaping 2020, bitches. Never. Never. I mean, my um, my, my favorite one of the Sims, my favorite screenshot has to be when Nigel was uh standing next to Boris's bed while Boris was asleep, just, just looking <laughs> at him. End of day seven. I'm seeing it. Yeah, yeah. I love also that his plum bob is blood red. He himself looks a bit like a vampire. Hmm. That's wonderful. <laughs> Uh, he's also covered in dirt. <laughs> what the fuck? That, that was the day that I I blocked the toilet. It's his attempts to look looking uh, working class. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, um, cheering himself the, and shit. Yeah, I, I took away the toilet because it, it broke. So I I took took away the bathroom for an entire day and then replaced it with a um with a, a bush. Replaced the toilet with a bush. <laughs> yeah, a hole in the ground. Uh, beautiful. Anyway, follow follow. I, I would love to see more of this stuff. So uh, I'm gonna. I'm going to recommend again, everybody follow. We are on Twitter, twitter.com. You're, you pronounced it weird. I said Dragoon earlier, but it's Dragon. Yep. <laughs> I see now the two N's, not the two O's. This segment is certainly dragging on. Hey, 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 hey. All right. 
Uh, my week. Obviously, I, I played uh, Amnesia Machine for Pigs. Mm-hmm. We'll not dwell on it. I think that most of my, my experiences line up with Lawrence's. I, I like the world. I like the characters. Uh, and uh, I certainly, like, you could burn through it in four hours. I love that. Fuck me. That was great. Mm-hmm. Bite-sized chomp. It was an impromptu stream that really, really paid off. It wasn't like the Outlast one where by the end of it, I, I showed more than the odd sign of fatigue. Uh, by the end of this, I was, it was in the middle of the afternoon. I was like, yes! Woohoo! Did it! Fucking chalk that one, one up on the list. You know, the content tracker gets a little addition to the done pile. It wasn't even on there. Hmm. <laughs> More of this, please. More pig! More pig! Etc. <laughs> No, that's exactly what happened, it, it, it turned out, because I was so charmed by Amnesia Machine for Pigs that I decided I'd, I'd make a little bumper use of my two weeks and and play the two other super big games from the Chinese room, the developers of Amnesia uh, Machine for Pigs, uh, which I'm sure I'm, everyone is tired of hearing, and I'm certainly tired of saying out loud. Mm. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I, I, I revisited... And, and by that I meant I played fully for the first time Dear Esther, and I also played Everybody's Gone to the Rapture. Everybody's took a little walk down to the Rapture. Mm-hmm. Uh, both really good games. Oh. Uh, I mean, I guess Dear Esther's the limper one of the two. Actually, did you uh, did you see all the, the hidden shadow figures? I saw one years and years ago when I attempted to play it and then forgot to finish it, <laughs> which happens. That's that's the crystal lizards. Uh, that's mm. the lifestyle. You're just you're just flighting from one thing to the other. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember seeing, and I actually at this when I started playing it this time, I was like, did I imagine seeing that the first time that if I was walking up this hill, I'd see a spooky man in the distance mm-hmm. uh, or the shadow of a figure? Uh, and I didn't see it this time in the same place. So I was like, hmm, I might be, I might have imagined that, or went nuts. Uh, and read too much into the atmosphere, especially since I was kind of expecting it to be a horror game. Yeah, it definitely gives off a sort of, at any moment, this could turn into something very different vibe, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Especially because it was uh, originally a Half-Life 2 mod, and that was was like the the cradle from which so many, like, Half-Life 2 mod indie horror games sprung out from. So, I imagine most people, if they played it in that context, was expecting it to take a sudden jerk into the horror genre at any given moment it also it because it teases like scientific equations and stuff like that you're like and 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 uh the story of a lost man uh or potentially two lost men from the narrator's perspective one mm-hmm. hiding somewhere on this island that you're there to see until i i, I think you're him i can't remember how this works mm-hmm. uh but uh this lost lunatic right scrawling paint on the walls everywhere he goes you're like this could get really creepy really quickly. Uh, and so I, the first time I played it, I expected it to be a horror game. This second time around, I, uh, I was a little less under the illusion that it would ever actually get scary. Uh, so I, I, I was just there for a chill atmosphere and storytelling. And I'll be honest, it still did get a little creepy. You know, you go to this candle-lit cavern with crazy scrawling on the walls, and you're like, all right, things have, things have taken a turn, at least mentally for this character. Uh, but, uh, I mean, there's not a lot to it. It's, it's mercifully a very short experience. So you can, if you're looking to tick one big game off the list of walking simulators, that certainly is it. And, uh, it, it, it is a good primer as well. If anybody is ever going to check out, everybody's gone to the rapture because if anything, it gets you used to the, 
the world's slowest walker. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Walking simulators, as they are sometimes affectionately known. <laughs> and wasn't Dear Esther like one of, if not the first walking simulator games. I don't know if it was the first one, but it's certainly the the proto example. It's the Ur yeah. example. It of got the genre. a lot of. It, it's. I think it's the first one to get a lot of award attention. That mm -hmm. kind of thing. It definitely sort of plucked eyes. That's not how you say that. Raised eyebrows, plucked eyes is. <laughs> Ooh, I <laughs> that like is it. Horror. That's a yes. nice turn of phrase there. <laughs> Uh, I hope that it, if I ever make a video game, it is said to have plucked eyes. <laughs> this game surprised me so much, I plucked out my eyes. <laughs> Jesus. It gave me eyes on the inside. I don't need eyes to see anymore. I have played this game. Were you able to discern or decipher the wall markings? No. I, I didn't really try for it. Uh, there was a lot about Damascus, and I don't know shit about Damascus, and I didn't read any further into it. So I, you could say I was a, as hands-off with this game as I could possibly have been. Uh, I, I, I saw that it, it gave away the, the main, I don't want to say twist, but the main reason, like Esther's, Esther's deal, fairly yeah. early on. I thought, huh, when I played it, I, it almost treated that like a twist, like what happened to Esther. And I'm like, uh -huh. hmm, maybe it's because I played... I So there was the original mod, then it was really standalone remastered on Steam, and then there's been another remaster remaster, which is the one that you've played. Yeah, I thought, the landmark edition, where they've, they've built it from the bottom up in a different engine. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, hmm, maybe they, they've changed it around a little bit. And to be fair, the story is always pseudo-random. Like, details yeah. change depending on the playthrough that you're going through. But you didn't expect three lines in for the guy to say, I'm sorry, Esther, you had to die on that car crash. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I and I thought, oh, they've given it away early. But I always felt very pleased with myself when I played it because I was able to guess what had happened from the, the wall markings, oh, which good. is, uh, oh, these are electronic components. And to be, you know, in my, to be fair to myself at the time, I was still doing GCSE chemistry, so I was able to recognize the symbols for ethanol on the walls. And I was like, ah, that's ethanol. I would not be able to do that these days. I would not be able to know what that is. But I did at the time. I went, there ethanol, hmm, and circuitry, and something to do with cars. Aha, drunk driving, crash, she died. And then he said it, and I'm like, yeah, I'm very clever. I'm, I'm, no one is ever going to know about this, but fortunately, I've been able to, years after the fact, brag about it on a podcast. Great. Yeah. I remember you bragged to me about it years ago, uh, when I hadn't finished it, but when we discussed it before, uh, having figured it out. And by the time I went around to playing it this time, I completely forgot what the twist was. <laughs> so it, I so just it all went worked out. Pseudo blind. But the moment then somebody brings up in that, like, third voice line, like, I'm sorry you had to die in a car crash or something like that. It was it was pretty on the nose. I was like, oh yeah, there. That's that's what's going on. I guess a, a lot of these things. It, it's not really important to me mm -hmm. that that it has a twist. It's just uh, important that they kind of convince me to give a shit about what's going on. And I'd say I was I was about like sixty percent engaged with Dear Esther. I, I was kind of like, yeah, all right. I kind of get what's going on with the characters. I, I feel like. For what it is, this is a, a very overwrought way of, of putting it. But it's not its not something that I thought was like a negative experience. It's just something that's kind of like... Is this happening? Or is it all a metaphor? Yeah, yeah. I mean, It's like, all I was, a dream. If that's, if that's the kind of angle they were going for, I wasn't engaged to that extent. We're like, okay. Again. Uh, <laughs> the the, the allusions to like higher literature or Damascus. I'm like, uh-huh. 
Uh, that's cool. Whenever at, at the heart of it, it's an emotional experience, right? So that's what we're supposed to be focusing on. When, whenever I felt like it was going, hmm, whenever I start to feel, ooh, this is getting a little bit pretentious, I, I, I have to remember the humble roots of this game, which is Half-Life 2 mod. They were probably like 18 when they made it. It's very impressive for what it is. Cut them some slack and I go, okay, fine, fine. Absolutely. But uh, it was also good. I think that between that and Amnesia... Amnesia Machine for Pigs really uh, reminded me that I really enjoy walking simulators. A Machine for Pigs is way more about my bag, so uh, it's like a, a yeah. great arc, which is Dear Esther, which I like, which was, you know, it's, all right. it's good for what it is. And then a Machine for Pigs, which is so up my alley, it's not even funny. And then uh, <laughs> like I guess they have Everyone's Gone to the Rapture, which seems to me to be more back in the, the DRS first style of narrative, I suppose. Certainly less, like, action-packed. But mm. I would say it, it kind of takes a little of both, because there are surprisingly scary or uh, or sort of hard-tinged elements to it mm-hmm. uh, that, that carry over clearly from the experience of making a machine for pigs that I, I really liked. Uh, although it is definitely, it's gone, it's, uh, as I referred to it while playing it, uh, it is the nosy neighbor simulator. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You are just combing your way for this English countryside, staring into people's windows and climbing up their staircases just to, just to find out what happened to all these neighbors. Uh, I, I take it you two, have either of you played it? No, no, this is the one Chinese room game that I haven't played. Um, everyone's gone to the rapture. I've not played it, though, no. Um, but I, I have... It's on my list of games to play, and I'm really looking forward to when I do get to play it, because I've, I've been wanting to play it since I bought it, which was, like, when it came out. So. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Holding that one tight. Uh, I'm not going to spoil it, but uh, I will talk a little bit about the characters, so hopefully that doesn't doesn't, doesn't qualify. I, I found it very uh, engaging. Surprisingly so, uh, because once it became clear that it was Dear Esther's... Uh, more open-ended, figure out the story for yourself, walking around very slowly gameplay. I was like, all right, mm-hmm. it's it's got to be that, but but on a bigger scale, which means it's got to be a little more time-consuming. Oh, you might you might cramp your your finger from holding down the W key. I actually did. Uh, I was <laughs> playing it on the on on the PlayStation Four. I, I, it's not on PC, is it? I'm is sure it? it has to be a walking simulator. Come on, that's a that's a PC game through and through. I I thought it was a PS4 exclusive. Oh, it is on PC. Well, that's good. Uh, I definitely recommend it for PC. <laughs> Another skull I, in the PC skull throne. I think it, uh, the PS4 can't really handle how nice the engine is, to be honest. So I think it's it's the the main thing you want to do. It is a very, very pretty game. It's built on the Cry engine. So you'll also need a decent machine mm-hmm. uh, to get the most out of it. But I think if you've got a high-end PC or a higher-end PC... You can handle this walking simulator. I can certainly mm-hmm. <laughs> brag, brag, smoke, smoke. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I was really grateful that uh, that uh, a machine for pigs brought me down the path because I, I had been meaning to get to this one for a while, but hadn't had an incentive mentally to, to check it out. And I mean, it did. It it has all the drawbacks of a walking simulator. It it, it really does typify the kind of thing the Chinese room got criticized for, and and it deservedly so in a lot of ways. Uh, I think if you've 
If you've now played games like um, Return of the Obra Dinn, you can feel a little spoiled by your walking simulator mm-hmm. that that makes better of the puzzle element of this because this game could have actually have went there and been really damn compelling. You have to figure out, been tasked to sort of figure out exactly what happened to each person or their relationships to one another. Mentally, you are doing that. You know, when you're engaged in the narrative, you're like, oh, so that guy who was in that ditch is so-and-so's husband and this is this has actually happened much later in the day but uh now we're at a different part of town this is earlier in the day so she doesn't know what's going to happen building a forensic timeline yeah yeah uh which i fucking love because it brought me back to overton Mm -hmm. (laughs) i was like ooh, ooh, yes good anything anything to get near near to perfection that would be great Uh Uh, that's that's always a weird feeling when you're like this is good but it reminds me of something much, much better that I'd rather be playing. If everybody's gone for the rapture, gone, gone for the rapture, gone to the rapture's uh, favor, uh, you can't really play Oberdin again. So very lucky for it that I, it, the game that it reminds me of that is better than it is is basically unplayable again. Hmm. Uh, so at this point, it's just trying to find experiences that remind me of it. It's all I can, all I'm looking for now. Most walking simulators aren't really all that replayable. In fact, a uh, funny thing: whilst you were doing your dear Esther playthrough, I had a funny notion and googled it, and I was devastated to find that I someone else had had the same idea and already beaten me to it. There is, in fact, a dear Esther uh, speed run world record. So, alas. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, oh, I can finally hold the world record for something because I'm the only person to think to do it. But alas, I've been beaten uh, to the punch. And I know that that guy's probably optimized it in such a way that I don't have a chance. So, uh, say la vie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you could you could work hard if you want, but why? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've, I've been doing push-ups and just like my index finger, you know. I've been get, I've getting, getting ready, I've been training. But uh, I can't compete with those people. They're like machines. Uh, I had I had a feeling right there was a, there was a moment in 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 Rapture uh, which I'm now going to call it because another Chinese room lengthy uncomfortable <laughs> title to say I, I I'm very quickly getting sick of the apostrophe s in everybody's <laughs> mm-hmm. no 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 it should be like you know the mysterious island to journey to the mysterious island it should be gone to Rapture. <laughs> All right. Just to take right. out any of the artistic integrity that such a title may have. Uh, okay. <laughs> Gone to rapture. Gone like boys, to two rapture. men. Uh, in in Gone to Rapture, there's a moment where uh, where you start to see some of the sort of timelines converge when you're getting kind of closer to the end. There's a there's sort of a visual metaphor for pointing you in the direction of one of the the story climaxes, and. Uh, I was looking at that and I kind of panicked. There were uh, basically six lines and only four at any one time were filled. And I was like, oh, have I missed the conclusion to some stories here? And if so, is this game going to block me from doing that, uh, from completing this until I crawl my way achingly through the English countryside to find them? Uh, Enjoyed and- a new game plus. <laughs> and I was thinking... Uh, there is a point to there is probably a point to be made where they could have went down that route and made it like a puzzle that kind of witness style where you need to go across the entire island and do certain key objectives to to unlock the final puzzles mm-hmm. but uh in this particular case i was desperately appreciative that they decided ah. i'm not even sure if that was supposed to be 
a metaphor for how many stories you finished. I'm not entirely sure if I missed... I think I missed the conclusion to one of them uh, very early on by taking a, a turn that I didn't realize. It sort of led me into a whole different story. So, yeah, word, word to the wise, comb those houses because sometimes you will... you. You will get important conclusions to certain characters' fates. But I was grateful also that it didn't make me painstakingly crawl my way back to the starting area to find that story and just let me get on with it. Because I could, I mean, it's in the title. I could, I could assume they went to the rapture, to Da Rapture. Mm -hmm. I, I guess the only other thing I wanted to mention about this is how fucking, fucking terrible its main characters are. Oh dear. It actually is a very unfortunate for this kind of game. Very, very unfortunate. There is a little soap opery kind of melodrama to the air of the whole thing. Mm -hmm. uh, because it's this English countryside, so I couldn't remove it from Emmerdale or something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, the acting can also be a little hammy. Uh, so uh, there were moments where I'm like, oh Alright, we get it. It's folksy. Uh, ultimately, I thought most of, of the stories were, were engaging, except for the main two. Uh, a character called Steven, who is intricately linked to this entire area. Uh, most characters know him, because he grew up there. And Kate, who I believe is your kind of player character. Okay. Uh, those two have a relationship, and they've come back from America. She's American. They've come back from America to work in this observatory and each of them has their motives but i mean both of their motives are bad and both of the both of them are they're just so terrible they're awful awful people kate the le the less worse the lesser of the two in mm -hmm. terms of misery her her biggest problem is she just doesn't really have a personality she uh her her thing is that she just fucking loves her work which isn't a bad thing mm -hmm. but she's also she waxes poetically about what she's doing, and we get voice clips of her all the time speaking very dramatically about the experience of what's going on at this observatory and how it's related to the rapture, which then contrasts kind of with the emotionally detached scientist lady we get every time she's talking to people mm -hmm. uh, in, in the town. But then there's moments where she'll kind of she'll show that she's kind of slightly petty or a little judgmental uh, and and certainly one of her actions almost reads like petty revenge against Stephen for one of the dramas that he has one of the many many faux pas that he commits it, it kind of just doesn't it doesn't all gel together in my head this this picture of this person which i guess it doesn't matter too much because she's the main person she has the least to do with like what you're actively doing in the story, which is finding out what happened to all the other people in the town. So like you're you're less affected or supposed to be affected by her. Hers is more the the plot driven mm, thing. Even so, I mean, I feel like for a game such as this, where there's only oh so many elements to it compared to I suppose your typical traditional game. The, what remains had better be very good. Like this is the kind of game that rides or dies on its the quality of its writing. Yeah. And if you're uh, if you're thinking, oh, these characters are such heels, I hate them. They they suck. Or you're yeah. rolling your eyes, but not in like a fun ironic way, but in like a bad way. Yeah, then, yeah. Oof, that's, that's a why, that's a death why are they doing this kind of way? That's truly truly baffling. The <laughs> the other character, Stephen. 
Yeah, I mean, he he goes above and beyond awful compared to compared to Kate. It's interesting because the characters you meet along the way, a lot of them are quite sympathetic, and indeed, some characters who make mean decisions or can be quite petty in day to day life because it's it's you know idyllic countryside living. A lot of people are just church going folk with their prejudices. They can be mean in moments, but also be shown to be quite uh, engaging or worthy of empathy. Not fucking Stephen. Dear fucking Christ, this man has not a single redeeming quality. The first thing we learn about him is that he's a cheater. <laughs> uh, and from nice. there, it's, he, every conversation he's in, he's a liar. He's petty. He deflects real damn quickly. He's mm-hmm. very, very selfish, but also conceited that he never admits what his actual objectives are. And just blames everyone uh, for everything, especially Kate, for having her own agenda. Uh, he holds grudges against people in the town that you find out. He holds grudges against his own family. He's just cruel. Uh, he's so judgmental. And in one scene, it is implied that he also might be a murderer. That's some escalation. Steven is just a dreadful, dreadful person. And the more you find out, the more you're like, why the fuck do I want to find out what happens to this guy? I suppose the question would now become... Are you supposed to sympathize with him or like him? Or are you meant to be thinking to yourself, this guy's a shit? My thinking is, you're not really supposed to empathize with him, but you are supposed to... I feel like the writer was doing a thing where they were showing the the complexities of running a relationship Mm -hmm. to some degree. You know, like, oh, there are some times when when two people just don't see eye to eye, they can become the worst versions of themselves and make terrible errors. But Stephen goes so above and beyond the line of every scene he's in, he's making the wrong call. That it's not that somebody's just bringing this out of him. At some point, you have to go, no, this guy's just a dick. Hmm. And, like, if they are trying to or want us to sympathize with him in some capacity, I mean, they could have done a better job because by the end of it, I was rooting for his rapture. <laughs> like, come on, man. And, and then he kind of gets a... Uh, a somewhat sympathetic rapturing too. I don't know. It's kind of it's kind of blown out the the way that they deal with him. It's just worth mentioning up front to people looking into playing this game uh, that you are almost certainly not going to like Stephen or Kate, uh, and they happen to form a lot of the conversations that people in the town are having. Uh, so that might alienate you from why you should care about this slow moving story. Uh, I think that at its best parts, though, there's loads of loads of far more interesting stuff that happens to the town people. Just the way it deals with like how they get raptured or the build up to their their panic, their sort of desperation, some of their like emotional connections and how they're affected. I was really engaged with that stuff. One of the main stories' conclusion really, really made me <laughs> very close to tearing up. Uh, so like, uh, and that was a character that most of the time wasn't a particularly likable person, but like you could you could relate to how they did it, and and there's also just a, a really great scale to the whole thing, the the world and what happens to these people, really convincing and and arresting. Uh, it's just that it it does have the the, the just not insignificant slight of of wanting you to sympathize or understand the actions of people who are terrible people. Does, uh, no. now that you have experienced the walking simulator gamut, you know, you've, uh-huh. you've explored the, 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 the bibliography of the Chinese room. I say bibliography because let's be honest, they're, they're visual novels. That's a bit more or less yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's the next absolutely. step alongside that evolutionary chain. Uh, does it, 
make you want to reassess any of the earlier ones that you had seen before you had gotten into the genre, like the Stanley Parable, which you said you didn't like very much, and I was like, oh no, but it's the best one. I agree, it is a good one. <laughs> it's not that I didn't like the Stanley Parable. Uh, I, 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 it was okay. I thought I felt like. <sighs> I mean, it's been a, it's been a few years now. I think mm-hmm. since I played it, but um, I remember feeling a little underwhelmed with how the jokes were, how, what the jokes were kind of building to. I feel like there was a part of the game that was kind of winking at you, saying, "Isn't this clever?" Mm-hmm. That I couldn't shake from the comedy and brought the comedy down for me. I, I, it's not that and playing these has changed. Or redefined my experience with Stanley Parable. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I'm glad I experienced it. I maybe could have spent more time with it. I, I think I only played it for like two hours and got about five different endings. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I think when I got to like a museum section that sort of underpins the entire world, that's when I was like, okay, I can call this an end credit mm-hmm. uh, and and sort of excuse myself. But I don't know. I feel like Stanley Parable could have been a little more reactive. I wish it was a little more non-stop, uh, where it was it was sort of like a middling uh, take on a slow burn, mm-hmm. uh, with with sometimes good payoffs and sometimes like you're kind of just wasting your time, <laughs> and you can never tell which route is going to get you that waste of time, so you you don't know how long you're going to be in it. Mm. I think that the game that I really really liked that was a walking simulator was the Beginner's Guide. Ah, uh, yeah, I got you them as a double bill because it's like compare and contrast. Also, you said you like Pale Fire, so I was like, this is basically the same thing, but as a video game. Yes, I love the Beginner's Guide, and I think after playing through. The Chinese rooms offerings. Uh, I st- I still hold it as the best in my head. I think it just okay. does more with the genre. You know, like I-, I think it's it plays into exactly that problem. The problem that people have with walking simulators is they they complain it's like reading a book that you have to. It doesn't let you turn the page until you do a, a small obstacle or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't really see it as black and white as that, uh, but I understand the criticism. I feel like. The smartest way to get around it is to acknowledge that the game is a game in the narrative, and the beginner's guide takes that and works with that, and, and thus excuses quite cleverly without seeming like that was part of the design necessarily. But it 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 it, it kind of typifies walking simulators as a genre uh, in 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 such a definitive way that you don't question: Could I be experience, experiencing this? better if it were more interactive or just a book you know mm-hmm. uh i felt like the beginner's guy could only exist as a walking simulator and that to me in my head elevates it above the others because the others they're they're making a choice to be a walking simulator and some of them could have been more engaging Ooh, like, um, i'm not too, i i i think that the stanley parable could only exist as a interactive medium because it certainly wouldn't I, work I as like a cyoa book <laughs> which is probably the closest possible comparison that I can think of. I, yeah, no, I, I know what you mean, but I also think Stanley Parable could have been a lot more engaging, interactive. That's what I'm saying. You know, the other end of it, not that they should have been a, a book, but that there's nothing that say Stanley Parable shouldn't have been, uh, couldn't have been enhanced some way or other I suppose, by I, I, not you know, just this is being the, a walking simulator. This is where I use the get out clause of, but Lee, you don't understand. The Stanley Parable is meant to show the limitations of the video games as an entertaining medium because the, the one thing I, I do like 
about the Stanley Parable. Uh It it demonstrates the limitation of interactive fiction very nicely, which is Mm -hmm. if you do what the narrator says, then uh, you're trapped in here with him, with this insufferable railroading guy that you're just so very much familiar with the limitations of the the narrative that he's trying to tell. Mm. But if you try to take destiny into your own hands, all that results in is him and you trapped with one another in this incredibly limited narrative framework. You never really escape. It's just how miserable you can make one another, which is, I I don't know, I I thought that that was a theme that I thought was very entertaining, which is you're you're never going to escape. It's always just a matter of how miserable you make each other and that you're stuck with one another within this narrative framework, and there's no escaping it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I, I, again, I don't hate the Stanley Powerball or anything. I, mm-hmm. I think it does a good job. I just think when it comes to why it's a walking simulator, I do lack that it plays into your lack of agency, and, and it does make a lot out of that. So it, it is well designed. There are a lot of cases for why it should be this stripped of, of, of movement, but why, for example, it, it couldn't have had more interactive elements and played more with that side of things, uh, or even just more gameplay ideas that are bridged uh, or made parody of in that in the form of, like, it should be a walking simulator, but turns out it's this deeper, more complex machine that keeps mm-hmm. getting weirder and weirder. I, there's always, there's no there's no bottom to that. You know, and that's why, to me, it's like, it could always have been something else in my head, whereas The Beginner's Guide, I, I don't see how it could have been anything else, you know? It doesn't mm-hmm. make sense as, like, a shooter or anything, even oh, yeah, though it's built it, in those worlds. Yeah, it's ostensibly a showcase of unfinished games, that's what it is, so I suppose yeah. it had to have been a game or a walking simulator thereof. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I think everybody gone to the Rapture, I... I'm 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 mixed about it because I wondered if I would ever revisit it. I, I it's not that I I disagree with the idea that you can't revisit them. It just takes a while. You you kind of got to purge the story or its best moments from your mind a little bit. Uh, and I felt that maybe in a few years I could come back to it and see all the stories I missed. Uh, but at the same time, you would still have to deal with the the fact that by the end of it, it its climax is with characters you don't like. <laughs> And it's no, it's hard to get around that. Uh, it kind of made it difficult to say. I, I, I outright loved it. I, I was more interested in it and engaged with it. But uh, I'm glad I've seen a lot of uh, the Chinese room stuff, uh, and everything's worth it for more uh, Jessica Curry music. I mean, her stuff is fucking crazy good. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I got a, uh, I got the Dear Astro soundtrack on the iPod because it came with a humble bundle. Nice. If you guys like uh, walking simulators, um, no wait. Let me let me re- rephrase that. If you like weird walking simulators, try a game called Broken Reality. Hmm. It will make you just just doubt your sanity and the reality of the world. I'm liking it already. I'm liking its style. Jesus, that's a lot of colors. <laughs> Actually, it reminds me of the the the, the color scheme of uh, LSD dreams in there. Well, yeah. I was going to say Hypnospace Outlaw. Uh, these this sort of pale pinks and greens, very nineties. Fuck this! This looks great. Vape, vapor wave is the aesthetic. I think. Have you have you played a lot of uh, uh, walking simulators? Yeah. Um, I've played a few. Yeah. I mean, I've got I've got absolutely loads on my backlog, but um. Yeah, I've played uh, Dreamfall Chapters is a good one. Never even heard of it. How do you find these games? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I got 
Um, I I really got into um, got like a production walking value simulators <laughs> as a genre. Uh, when when I when I first got in uh, played Dear Esther. So over the course of like after I bought Dear Dear Esther and and played it for the very first time, um, I I just started collecting walking simulator games. So uh-huh. what a niche. <laughs> Well, that's good, and we should have deferred to you more as our as our our leading uh, authority on the on the genre. Yeah, there's one that's uh, th- that I played recently called Eleven Eleven Memories Retold, and that is a gorgeous game. What would you say is your best? What's your favorite? My favorite walking simulator. Mm. My favorite walking simulator. Um, I would have to say Dear Esther, to be honest. Wow. Yeah, because the OG, I, I, the original. Yeah, because when I first played Dear Esther, I. I made the mistake of when I first played Dear Esther. I, I well, I say a mistake. Um, but I played it with the director's commentary on first. Mm. Well, and it's not then, that it's a mistake. It's just, it's, you know, it's that's certainly a mistake. A, okay. I was, yeah, all <laughs> <Well>, right. It, <laughs> but by playing it through with the director's commentary on, it took the, the, the story out. Mm. And I got to see behind the scenes before I played the story. So it allowed me when I went in to play the story to be able to understand how the developers thought, and I found that I actually appreciated the story more. So that's a smart move, actually. Now that I think about it, there's a commentary run for Amnesia, the first one, but not a Machine for Pigs, which is a shame because I would be very Ooh, interested in hearing that yeah, one. Definitely, that is a shame. All right, well there you go. Our leading authority. Stick with the stick with the one that brought you to the dance, dear Esther. Number one, I guess. Lawrence, Lawrence, do you have a number one before the cr- to round that out? Uh, oof, it probably would be a tie between a machine for pigs or uh Stanley Parable. I think mm. Stanley Parable ekes it out by being a walking simulator, whilst Amnesia is sort of a hybrid. Like it's got some gameplay in there, has mm-hmm. concessions to the existing audience of Amnesia, who were still quite <laughs> unhappy. I have to say. Yeah, the worst thing that Amnesia Machine for Pigs could have done for itself was be branded Amnesia, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that yeah, it was. It took a lot of criticism when it first came out because it was a walking simulator in disguise, which is not what people wanted. But uh, I feel I feel like history will be kinder to it. We certainly have been, you know, what absolutely seven years down the line. Absolutely. It was all a dream. I used to read Word Up magazine, salt and pepper, and heavy D up in the limousine, hanging pictures on my wall. Every Saturday, rap attack, Mr. Magic, the news. That's it. Good job, Lawrence. Yeah. <laughs> we should have we should have preempted Mirror. Uh, uh, <laughs> no, like, no, no context is required. No context. <laughs> Just every once in a while, we break out into Notorious B.I.G. That's it. All right, so. This week's favorite news stories. Um, uh, there was news, I don't know if this was this week or the week before, uh, over the break, between episodes, that uh, the, PS, the PS4 got remote play for the PS5, much to my chagrin, as it allows you to play the PS5 and the PS5 games with a motherfucking PS4 controller. Why can't they use it in the actual console? Now it's like they're specifically targeting me. I told you, I told you. They're listening in just to spite you. They heard you made your <laughs> gland decree that never again, you know, you've been pushed one too far. You're not buying into it this generation. And uh, they have basically taken it upon themselves for 
from this point onwards to spite you now that you've cast your lot in, <laughs> now that you've drawn the line in the sand, to make as many concessions towards you, except not quite as you wanted them. So that yeah, yeah that's not a concession at all. It's it's just added. It's, <laughs> it's like a genie. It's like an angry genie who's like, I will grant yeah. your wish, but with a twist. <laughs> yeah, you may play the PlayStation 5 with a PS4 controller, your collection of PS4 controllers, but you'll be playing it streaming through your PS4, like, oh, for fuck's sake. Uh, so yeah, whatever bullshit's going on there where they, uh, yeah, y- y- you can emulate the entire system with a different controller but for some reason they won't let you just use the damn things on the ps5 it's driving me crazy the whole reason why i have to shut a generation right out the gate is because they're actively taking the piss at the money i spent on their previous console so this is just this is just more <laughs> more ire it's a personal attack is what it is absolutely it's it's getting to me now <laughs> all right that's one story what uh who, who wants to go next <laughs> Take take my mind off this. (laughs) I've got one. This is a minor one, so I'm going to squeeze two in here. Uh, Codblop Kua came out recently. (laughs) Not at all difficult to write, say, think about. Mm -hmm. Call of Duty Black Ops Cold Cold War. War. It came out recently, and apparently uh, whenever you're choosing a character in the multiplayer, I think, uh, it allows you to choose non-binary, which is nice. Very nice representation, although I, I cannot help but get the niggling impression that Ronald Reagan is not the sort of person to respect one's <laughs> choice of pronouns. <laughs> I mean, kudos to them for doing it, but yeah, I get your point. <laughs> yeah, it, it just seems very strange that they're, they're always going for the, the far more um, right-winged approach for the campaign and stories, because that's where their audience base is, but they do mm-hmm. make these little concessions to reality once in a while. Uh, but hey... No point souring good news. Good for mm-hmm. them. <laughs> That's right. I've got plenty of sour news, including this one. Uh, the dedicated servers for Friday the 13th, the game, will mm. be uh, decommissioned this month. The game yes. will revert back to peer-to-peer matchmaking. The database, which houses all player progression and unlocks things like that, will remain operational. The patch that has come, if it hasn't come already, will be the final patch for the game. The official forums will be archived. The game is still going to be available for sale, and uh, the double XP CP, whatever that is, and the drop rates of tapes, which I guess are like story things, that were set in the start of the pandemic. Oh, sorry, begging your pardon, whatever the fuck we said was earlier, <laughs> the, uh, are, are remaining on, so if you buy it now, even though it's peer-to-peer, you're still getting double XP. Double XP weekend forever! Uh, and the the team are going to leave that all that online active indefinitely. That's so it's good. over. I mean, that's something. That's middling news, I guess. Mm. Bad that their dedicated servers are going down, but thus is inevitable with live service games. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, it's, I, I feel bad for the players that are invested in it, but I guess it was inevitable. It's a, a graceful. What's the terrible phrase they use for this? Sundowning. It's a graceful sundowning of the project. There's something lightly racist about saying that. <laughs> Uh, I suppose the only thing that they could do at this point to really soften the blow or even just remove the blow completely is to release their server code so that people can host their own servers. But people, mm. they never do that. Big companies never do that. They hate doing that. Play you the game outside of our control <laughs> under your own... Pr- no, impossible. Unacceptable. Never. 
Hi, what, why wouldn't you just buy the next one when we make it? But that doesn't seem to be the case here because apparently there's this whole intellectual property kerfuffle regarding this game, which is a surprise considering its main competitor, which is Dead by Daylight, has the intellectual property of just about every mainline horror franchise that you can think of, and it seems to be doing just fine. Um, Fascinating, huh? Must be because of all the different studios that have handled Freddy over the, all these years. Jason, I think. Jason. Yeah, yeah, I've certainly watched these films and I can tell them <laughs> apart. I mean, you know, I mean, one has large claws and the other one has a mask. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that's only two of them. There's another guy who has a mask. Uh, Leverface, which is made of human skin. And there's Predator, which has large claws and a mask. <laughs> oh, it's all blended together. goes on. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing is new. We're hitting the confluence point of all our creation. Uh, all of this has happened before and all of it will happen again. <laughs> uh, great. Uh, it's only slightly miserable news. I'm sure you'll keep the, the worst for last. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Muir, have you got anything you want to bring up? Um, Did you compile a docket before the show? <laughs> yeah, we're going to roundtable this, so we'll go back and forth. Well, in, in mm-hmm. gaming news, Cyberpunk 2077... Mm. What happened this week? <laughs> well, yeah, this they week. Shit the bed again. <laughs> they're, um, they've updated their character creator to let you customize your character's teeth and nail length. Wow. Feature creep? Never heard of him. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what to do with this information. Will I get really into the teeth editor when the day comes? I mean, we. I, I. I. will. I'm getting in there deep into that team. God, it's pit. This. This paints such a funny picture. I'm sorry, everyone. We're going to have to delay the game for another month. Why? Well, you know, Sven down in the cosmetics department is really insistent that we get this teeth editor going for the character creator. <laughs> he's fret like he's got a gun on his desk, and he's like. Nothing is getting released until I'm finished. Nothing. I mean, by the time they're finished with the character creation mechanic, you're you're gonna be literally painting on every single strand of hair on this person's body. (laughs) (laughs) What's what's the the benchmark they give these days? Is it Black Desert Online has the the most robust character creator? They well, like, we're it, not to be outdone. Cyberpunk must be the ultimate game. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Black Desert Online is the go-to, the Uber character creator, provided, of course, that what you want to create is a picturesque, beautiful Ubermensch that with no <laughs> physical course. blemishes whatsoever, like a perfect pixie anime character. No uggos allowed. Nothing Black Desert. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Let me see. Other news. Oh, yeah, this one happened really recently. Did you see that? Fucking Ubisoft Montreal thing. Oh yeah, I did. I was like, "Ooh, I this is an ongoing situation. I'm not gonna touch this." And then it resolved, and nobody died. I was like, "Oh, it was a swatting attempt." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still sucks. Don't do that, people. But hey, nobody died, so yeah. As is not often secure in a swatting attempt. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I wanted to bring it up only for posterity's sake. You know, when you listen back to an episode, you're like. When when in the timeline was this? You know, what happened the week of Infectomen world? And uh, yeah, this is the one with that weird thing where people freaked out. It, super uncool as well. A lot of people on Twitter mm-hmm. went to laugh or, or make jokes at Ubisoft's expense 
in the face of this, which, I mean, Jesus fucking Christ. Uh-uh, get a hold yeah, of yourselves. Like you're, ma- you're making the chopping gesture at your head going, uh-uh, punching dying, punching dying. Yeah. Misguided humor, misguided. Ab- <laughs> yeah, yeah. Abort this joke. Saying it anyway that this company, for whatever its actions that we've covered in depth on this show, deserved a hostage situation for its employees mm-hmm. is fucking insane. Also, the people getting <laughs> taken hostage aren't the ones, you know, doing the power corruption stuff. That's all happening at the top. Those people never get involved in these situations. They're yeah. fine. So it's just fucking weird, misguided bullshit. So anyway, cut it out, Twitter. Uh, and I'm glad nobody died. And, Bad Twitter. Uh, yeah, Bad. <laughs> mean. Mm. Uh, what else you got, Lawrence? Uh, well, uh, the Ubisoft-related news, they removed a turf podcaster from Watch Dogs Legion because they were a turf. Small news. Doesn't really matter. <laughs> it's good news. Mm-hmm. It is good news, and in equally good news, well, perhaps not equally, but equally uplifting news, Pokemon Ruby has been beaten by a fish What in the course of 3,195 hours and 49 minutes. Fucking amazing. Twitch Twitch Plays Pokemon has had its maddening effects, but the whole f- this fish thing, what the fuck? Apparently this is the, the third in the series it's managed to beat? Uh, I don't know about that. I only know about this one. Alright, Mirror, in case you're wondering how this is possible, what they did is they, uh, they rigged it up so the, the fish tank was split up into, like, squares, and f- the square that the fish swam to was interpreted as an input, be it up, down, left, right, B, A, start, etc. And they just left it on record to see how long it took for this fish to accidentally beat Pokemon Ruby. And it did within about 3,100 hours. 3,200 <laughs> closer. I mean, props to the fish because he beat the game <laughs> a lot faster than I could ever do. You know, I think I gave up after 100 hours. And uh, this was Twitch streamed, by the way, so you can watch the whole thing if you don't mind uh, all the Japanese comments because it was a mostly Japanese venture. Love it. Absolutely <laughs> love it. Did you know that Twitch beat Dark Souls as well? I did know. I that. heard about that. I need to watch that sometime. That, that I hope there's a recording of that because that's a that's baller. Twitch plays Pokemon is one of those once in a lifetime events. Oh, I know, isn't it? It crazy? changed the game in my mind. It's like before that, streaming seemed like just a a cool little thing, but that that week or whatever, it mm-hmm. felt like the world was about one thing and one thing alone. It was a microcosm of civilization itself contained within that one week religions rised and fell factions came and went power struggles it had everything you could ever want just cracking stuff it really was s-tier internet content uh little nas has announced uh well this happened in the past this happened yesterday i think on november 14th he was going to host a virtual concert on roblox of all places why Mm -hmm. now i uh I, I can hear it already. Accusations, fingers pointing. Lawrence, hypocrite. Hypocrite. You gave off grief about Joe Biden doing shit in Fortnite. Or like uh, movies being watched in Fortnite. Yeah. But uh, see, here's the difference. One, Joe Biden isn't cool. I'm sorry. He's won, <laughs> so I can say it now. Yeah, without damaging his cred. Uh, Lil Nas is cool. Uh, Fortnite isn't cool. Do you know what it is cool? Roblox. Because it's it's... It's kind of it's fun in that sort of ironic cringe kind of way. So when he says he's going to hold a virtual concert on Roblox, you're like, oh yeah, this is I'm done with this. This is cool. It's like being hip, you know. The the, the 
it's a thin line between being hip and not hip. Something that appear something that's really, really hip on the outset looking in might look very uncool, might look very unhip, but it's actually mm. super hip. It's all in the perception. Yeah. yeah, I get it. When everybody's looking at the dollar signs at the sweet Fortnite gig they could be running, few have turned to Roblox and said, I can make it I got that uh, that'll do me. Sounds cool. Good for him. Good for good for Roblox. Mm-hmm. Uh, Muir, anything, any other news you want to bring up? Well, I got two, two, two little bits. The first is that you can pet the cat in the Spider-Man Miles Morales game. That is incredibly Excellent. good news. Very welcome news. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, if, if you're gonna have a game, you gotta you gotta be able to pet the animals that are in the game. I think. Mm-hmm. You know? I I I slaughtered. I slaughtered. I slitted Assassin's Creed Unity. For despite previous games allowing you to pet the animals, it does not let, allow you to interact with the animals, and it was Massive ruined oversight. because of this <laughs> yeah. incredible Completely oversight. Ruined. You just know that one of the rapists was behind that decision. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Yeah, and the, the second little tidbit I'll, I'll go ahead and throw out is: um, Have you guys played Untitled Goose Game? Uh, I've played a little bit of it. I don't own it. Okay, but, uh, I played uh, it at a friend's house. I have seen let's plays of it. So, Untitled the the goose from Untitled Goose Game is going into Fall Guys Ooh. as a costume. Intriguing. That's a good one. Is there a button you can press to make a, a, a honking noise? Maybe maybe honks when you grab. Oh, um, <laughs> Ooh, it does nice. have a honk. Emote with sound effects. Fantastic. Uh, that's that's Oof, good. I was about that's to say good. that was a lost sale for a second there, but you reassured <laughs> me. I'm already on board with the skins because they they put Sonic in first and foremost, which was a sign of deference to their betters. Mm-hmm, absolutely, <laughs> gotta go fast after all. Uh, you see, Yakuza producer and binary domain director. I'm gonna fuck this up. Daisuke Sato. He wants to do a Sonic game sometime in his career. Mm-hmm. I'm just picturing Yakuza, but with Kiryu in like a Sonic fursuit. That's what I'm imagining. He straight up said, I wouldn't be doing something along the lines of, I wouldn't be doing it the way they're doing it. <laughs> 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 or the way it's been done. Which uh, I'm not I sure love- if the translation is, is was meant to be as scathing as that, but that God, is God, I love it when you get a little glimpse at office politics from the outside looking in. It's Absolutely. Always- I think what, what it's meant to convey is, I'm the guy who produces Yakuza, obviously I'm going to have a weird spin on this. What it reads as is, fuck, my peers are terrible and anything is better than what they're doing. <laughs> there, there's a, who, was it, one of the creative directors behind that series, I don't know which one it was, said when, you know, people have been crying to get Kiryu into Tekken for ages now. Hmm. This week, uh, I think it was said something, oh, uh, I'm not too sure about having Kiryu in Tekken, because there are a lot of female characters in Tekken, and Kiryu wouldn't hit a girl. That can't be true. <laughs> oh, okay, so uh, I actually had this confirmed for me, that in the entire series, he hits a girl exactly once. It was like a slap to like a little girl in Yakuza 1, but that was back when his character hadn't really been solidified. It was still mm. kind of vague. And that's the only time he's had a woman in the entire series that I know of, which I find very difficult to believe, but hey, that's the truth of it, I suppose. Cool. Can- canonically, he's only so, uh, slapped a little girl, which, I mean, still still a bit of a slight. But <laughs> she, 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 was, she was having some hysterics at the time. It was a sort of snap out of a kind yeah, of slap. I, 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 know, I, I know the scene you mean, which is why in my head I was questioning that. It's like, I've seen, I've at least seen, I've played Jackson. I know he slapped that little I've girl. I've slapped at least one little girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. Haven't we all? 
So, but, you know, like uh, most people, upon hearing those news that, oh, I don't want Yakuza and Tekken, I don't want uh, Kiryu and Tekken because he would have the hit woman, you immediately lean in and go, what about Majima, though? Majima would hit woman. I'm pretty sure Majima, Majima has canonically slapped at least one hoe in his, in his lifetime. It's gotta be. It's gotta be on the cards. Uh-huh. He's just a wild card. All right. Mirror, it's your turn. Um, or have we squeezed you dry? I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking. Um, the only other thing that I've got and is is that they're um, soon to be releasing. Uh, it's an official cookbook for Destiny. <laughs> an official cookbook. Yeah. But how how did don't this cook, get me by? <laughs> you don't you don't cook things in Destiny. <laughs> I mean, unless you do. Lately. I mean, like it's it's got, and I'm gonna completely miss pronounce this but joller doodles joller doodles yeah it's got a recipe for joller doodles i don't know what that means <laughs> all right i'm looking at the i'm looking at the i'm, I'm looking I'm at the on, it's a nice looking book i'll give you that i'm at the bungee store is that what you are yeah i think so <laughs> it's it's kind of ridiculous <laughs> spicy ramen that's not space age everyone knows you take an existing dish and give it a stupid spacey name where are all the apostrophes? It should be called Spehesi Rama. The I like the cocktails though. That that's that looks like the the vibrancy of the M grams that you get. That is that changes. a tea? Is that a tea bag? What? Is that a tea? Oh, they're mint leaves. Thank God. Yeah. I thought did they just dump a tea bag in a cocktail. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't put it past them. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. What a reverence. Coleslaw. I love that they all have flavor text. Uh, yeah. That's amazing. Oh. Wait, wait. Coleslaw. The first time I saw Zur, I had spotted a suspicious figure huddled in the corner of the hangar. I was curious why they kept returning to the same spot. For a while, I was too unnerved to approach and introduce myself, though I occasionally saw guardians exchanging words and goods with him. But he's got some killer coleslaw. <laughs> what the fuck? That's great. Oh, no, 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 no. It actually does go like that. Let's see. Yeah. Goods about Once when he turned, I thought I saw a mask. Or was it a beard? Or maybe tentacles? As silly as this sounds, it reminded me of an old coleslaw recipe <laughs> I like to bring to meetings at the hangar. Oh, jeez. Oh, God. Maybe next time I see him, I'll have built up the courage to offer him a helping of this coleslaw. <laughs> That's amazing. And uh, it, in universe, exciting because Zur, he's a yeah, tentacle weirdo monster. <laughs> the idea of approaching him for to offer coleslaw is fantastic. Uh, so yeah, evidently the, the person who made the cookbook, um, she has a blog and she regularly makes, uh, creates recipes based on food in games. And I'm just uh, looking through her. Bo- I've heard about this. Um, I'm I'm just looking through her blog here, and she's. I found one from Raft. Oh, uh, her name is Victoria Rosenthal for the record. Yeah, I've got it up here. She's done one for Raft. I mean, at least there's there is food in Raft, I believe. Yeah, she's made um, coconut chicken, which actually looks good. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Oh my this god! Reminds me of the, of the good old days of the mana bar. Do you remember the mana bar? No, I it don't was- know what you're talking about. It was a uh, Yahtzee Kroshaw and Co.'s uh, video game fame pub or nightclub. Oh yeah, I remember Brisbane, that. I think I never. Wow. I'd always. Uh, sadly, it's no longer in operation. But uh, I had always considered it to be on the to-do list. You know, it was on the bucket list. Visit the Mana Bar. But alas, they would sell. It, it was not to be. They would sell cocktails like plasmids, things like that. 
cool. Thank you for bringing this to my attention, Mira. This is fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. I mean, unbeknownst to me, she's also made an official cookbook for Fallout. Ooh. That's right up your street. Definitely. All right, cool. That was a good one. Mm-hmm. I've, 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 I've gained something. <laughs> All right, I've got a Atlas double bill here, or a triple bill for Atlas. One is Persona Five Scramble will not be getting a Western localization. Wah, wah. What? I can't believe that actually. Well, I mean, People it's because so uh, At- Atlas suffers from the same disease that afflicted the creators of uh, what is it? Eternal Darkness, as Yahtzee Kroshaw put it, a crippling, debilitating fear of money and success. Man, I mean, even I was considering that Dynasty Warriors game. <laughs> mm-hmm. In related news, the Shimigami Tensei Nocturne remaster came out, and it's barely a remaster, it's shit. It's more like a port. <laughs> oh, that's rough. The music is still compressed, sound effects are still compressed, uh, the menu hangs sometimes, there's like a weird pause when you're going from menu to menu. There's inconsistent aspect ratios, like cutscenes and gameplay and other special cutscenes have different aspect ratios. It plays at 30 FPS. And all of this is on the PS4, by the way. In fact, I've been told it runs worse on the PS4 than it does on the Switch. Oh, dear. All for a PS2 game. Now, I did have it listed down here as a, a, a side note. But you've got to bear, you better buy it anyway, or else Atlas isn't going to port any more games to modern platforms. <laughs> but my next news story uh, indicates that that might not be the case. Sega has been making mov- mot- motions and movements, hints and allegations that suggest that they may be pressuring Atlas to re-release some of their older games. Please, so, please. I get- <laughs> yes. Will this bring the end to the curse? The Persona 3 curse? Will we ever see its like again? I just Hopefully. want... I just want the... To move on, you know, I'm not. Mm-hmm. I'm not even hyped. I'm just desperately tied to something that doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah, you've got you've got the old ball and chain. It's more of a ball and chain for me because it's preventing me from playing the later games. <laughs> I know, I know. All right, I've got. I did have one thread I read. <laughs> so of- because there's three of us now, this feels like a bit from that '70s show with the camera just swinging around on that circular <laughs> yeah, table. Uh- <laughs> We're not used to it. We're not. We're not prepared. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a first. Last two ones that I've got. One smaller one. One sort of speculative one. Uh, Thirteen, the PS2 cell shaded shooter. If anyone remembers that, or I think originally published by Ubisoft. Did did did, did I play that in a w- w- multiplayer with you at some Absolutely. point, like Must thirteen have. years ago? Absolutely. I used to love the multiplayer in this game. It has a really good mode called uh, Hunt or Hunt the Reaper. And what happens is you, you're, you're set in, a, in your usual multiplayer map. And your, your job is to shoot this running around Grim Reaper. Uh, who each shot gets smaller and smaller and harder to hit. The, the winner is the one who gets the final shot when he's absolutely tiny. And it is so fun. And I've not seen a game do it. Uh, do the same mode or a version of it. And I'm kind of perplexed at why this hasn't become a bigger thing because it's really 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 involving uh especially if you've got like a room of like four players or anything you're like where the fuck is it and you're all scrambling over each other to get the last shot anyway anyway uh apparently the the game was set for a remaster re-release uh port for pc but also sort of scaled up and some nice graphical overlay to it uh apparently has launched as a hot fucking mess uh, and the developers have had to come out and say, "Hey, uh, we know we wouldn't, we didn't want to ship it this way. Uh, we're gonna, we're gonna fix it." Uh, I don't remember if we mentioned this in the podcast earlier. Uh, you know, somewhere down the line, 
in an earlier episode because when I heard that I was interested in the 13 news but mm-hmm. uh, it's a real shame that it's 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 a it's a fucking hot mess and a PSA to avoid presently the other the, the other news I've got um, apparently reportedly Microsoft uh, are in the are back at their marketing ways and are aiming to find some sort of small to mid Japanese studio to bring into the, the uh, series X fold yes Mm-hmm. Uh, to the Game Pass as it consumes all. Which I thought, okay, well, I mean, that's not much of a story. But people kept leading the story with images of games from From Software, which was very scary. <laughs> mm-hmm. I I don't think so. They've had, they're too cozy with Sony. They are quite be. cozy with Sony. Uh, so it doesn't make a lot of sense to me either. But I don't know. I, li- I like the speculative thing. We, my, my favorite news story so far is the speculation, speculative stuff where we're kind of like, who, who are they going to buy? Who's who's getting whom? Uh as we consolidate to the great capitalist post-apocalypse that we that we're mm-hmm. ultimately going or heading towards the great monopoly. Fascinating, nonetheless, that uh, Microsoft seemingly finally tuning into the fact that they've had next to no presence in Japan their entire series run. Finally waking up and going, you know what? Maybe we should invest in Japanese creators and not just see that they're one one foray into the market, which was what did you call it? Like Blue Odyssey. Blue Dragoon. Ooh, I think it was Blue be, Dragoon. Might be Blue Dragoon. Uh, they 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 dipped their toe in once in in the early days, and it was a massive uh, failure, uh, a financial disaster. And then they were like, "Nope, not coming back," and have been that way ever since. But uh, interesting, interesting. Things are shifting. The sands shift beneath our feet. Uh, Muir, you are out of news stories. E- if I believe. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm completely out. <laughs> <laughs> We've wrung him for all the content that he's worth. Tend to throw him away. <laughs> Dispose of the husk. Yeah, although that, that game mode that you were talking about with the Grim Reaper, for some reason I was just picturing it as a uh, as a, a match in, um, in Fall Guys. Just picturing, picturing all the little Fall Guy dudes just running around chasing yes. after this, this little Grim Reaper. That gets gradually sh- smaller. Absolutely. That would be super fun. Yeah, debatable. This is a new story. But uh, did you see that tweet? About that guy who ordered an Xbox Series X, and he got an Xbox One X. And to be clear, this isn't a story of, ha ha, guy ordered the wrong one because the name is bad. The guy said he triple checked it, he got, he ordered the right one. It's that the retailer had gotten confused <laughs> oh, and sent no. him the wrong one. <laughs> That's great. I mean, sad. Sad for the dude, but it's so funny that he didn't perceive that even the retailer could fuck this up yeah it really hadn't like you know we, we had all been you know chuckling to ourselves guffawing oh the poor grandmas like. they're gonna have trouble at christmas we didn't think the poor guy selling to the grandma might also have no fucking clue mm-hmm. just goes to show that microsoft what are you doing what are you doing this is a terrible idea it's been a terrible idea for years now you've had so much time to turn back but you refuse <laughs> that's a good one that's 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 <laughs> Uh, okay, my actual news is the uh, there's been a collection, the Neo collection has been announced for PS5 coming yes. in February 2021. Mm. It includes both games with all of the titles in 4K revolution, resolution, sorry, and up to 120 frames per second. Uh, that's great. Those games are really good. Those games uh, are to Dark Souls players what Dark Souls is to normal people, I suppose. <laughs> 
because they are fucking hard as shit, or at the very least, the first one, the one that I've beaten, is it's it's really tough. They're also really really good. Uh, I'm glad I'm glad uh, the series somehow still still stringing itself along. The mm-hmm. uh, it just seemed like such a flash in the pan idea, sort of jumping in on a wave. But not only gets a sequel, but they're putting enough time and effort into it that they're actually sort of gussying it up for the next generation. Uh, somebody, the, the, somebody cares. That's always good to hear. Caring is, I'm pretty sure, like the best thing I like about that game, which is it's clear they put so much effort. Like someone really, really give a shit. There's mm. so many quality of life features. I mean, I think that was the first console game I played that was like, do you want high resolution or do you want good performance? Which one do you want? Mm. And you could choose like three options between favor this, favor this, or balance it. And I'm like, I'm not used to getting this treatment in a console. This is PC stuff. This is the future. I want more of this. More of this, please. <laughs> uh, I suppose my other new story is the announcement of Adventure Time Distant Land Obsidian, starring everyone's favorite 11th hour lesbians, Marceline and PBG. <laughs> 11th hour lesbians. <laughs> I think this is it's a movie or like a, a miniseries. I'm not entirely sure. I think it's a movie. It's been a real boot up the arse, uh, you know, like, hey, Lawrence, finish Adventure Time. And I'm like, oh, okay. I know. I, I had gotten quite far into it, like season five. Uh, mm. And then I, I felt I felt the wear of, of an increasingly fragmented idea of what this series was. Um, mm. But uh, Shane, my brother went my brother Shane just, Your brother to, just Shane. to complete yeah, that up yeah, yeah. uh, to, to finish the meme uh, <laughs> uh, he he recently went from start to finish on it uh, and he was the, as far as I remember the proponent for giving up on Adventure Time before getting too deep in my head mm-hmm. uh, but he pushed through uh, I think at the start of the year and he's he's been sort of raving at everyone he can find to say you got to see it to the end. So I guess we're gonna, I guess it's got to be done. Yes, Adventure Time: Distant Lands is a HBO Max a set of four specials that are an hour Ooh. long. Uh, apparently, still being dished out, and I, I assume then Obsidian is the. I think Obsidian is the most recent one. Oh, okay, all right. Yes, that yeah, it's the yeah. second of the four. I'll, I'll, I have to say that is one subtitle too many, in my opinion. <laughs> but hey, they're still making it. That's fucking great. Mm-hmm. Never not happy to see Adventure Time rolling on. Uh, you must expo- much exposure to Adventure Time, Mir? No, <laughs> just <laughs> I've never watched. It's for it. children. The the only no conversation <laughs> is over. Yeah, the, the only bits that I've I've come in contact with has been like clips and memes online so <laughs> uh well, i'm glad we we wasted a massive portion of your time talking about something you've never <laughs> never seen anyway very good it's it's good it's good it's good for adults too but at the same time it is a children's cartoon so i understand there's not a lot of must watch i mean about it yeah i'm over here watching kipo so kipo never it's on netflix it Spell that for me, please. K-I-P-O. It's, um... A- At the Age of Wonder Beasts. Yeah, there you go. That's a, that's a cool title. Oh, I recognize that subtitle. Ooh, this very much looks like something that... This this looks like a remastering of a of a cartoon from the 90s, like a, a She-Ra Princess of Power deal. Am, am I right? Uh, or is it completely new? It actually is completely new. Yeah, it's completely new, yeah. Ooh. Yeah, it couldn't be from the 90s. So apparently it has... A particular notable, particularly notable for its representation of LGBT and characters of color. That just weren't done back in the 90s, unfortunately. Oh, no. Just take a bunch of characters who had ambiguous preferences from the 90s and just spin the Wheel of Fortune and give them a new one. 
Yeah, I mean, Kipo is, uh, if, if you want a, a series that's, like, super inclusive, I mean, this is it. There's, there's tons of inclusion here in, in the series. But um, it, it's it's meant for kids, but I, I'm enjoying it just because it's it's full of silliness and the the inclusion is is pretty rad as well. Ooh, I just showed my my age there saying rad. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> you're amongst like-minded people here. Don't yeah. worry about it. If you're either old, older than some, or just terribly unhip, <laughs> like us, <laughs> who are old and unhip. <laughs> Uh, all right, cool, cool. Uh, Adventure Time thing. Uh, Lawrence, do you have anything else? I have two more. All right, cool, great. Uh, I don't suppose, Muir, you've played Demon Souls by any chance? I've not played it, but I have heard of it. <laughs> I love, I love the 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 turn here, where like to me, like Demon Souls and Adventure Time are like super mainstream, <laughs> and and we're and these are the ones that are tripping Muir up, but crazy shit like Kippo and all the games he's been all these far more obscure titles have been tripping us up the whole time hey. it's like they're, they're just in a, a whole different sect that we just are not privy to you're getting <laughs> I, to see all the cool shit and meanwhile we're like have you heard of a little something called The Simpsons? <laughs> I, I will hold no, my this, hand this up. is a Venn diagram that is just two circles on the opposite sides of a page <laughs> I will That's hold it. my hands up and admit that I live in the land of obscurity <laughs> That's good. This, this this makes you an invaluable guest because the pool of listeners, all four of them, they're going to have a whole range of new shit to think about. Way off our beaten path, which, you know, can only be healthy. <laughs> hmm. In regards to Demon's Souls, now, in Demon's Souls, in every Souls game, really, there is a ring. It's called the Silver Cat Ring or the Catfall Ring or some variation thereof. And what it does, it mitigates fall damage. In Dark Souls 2, you need it in order to get to a certain area. Right. But in each game, it has a, rings and their effects are indicated by a little icon in the top left-hand side of the mm-hmm. screen. In uh, Demon Souls, and I invite you to look this up, uh, Cat Ring Demon Souls, the icon in the top left-hand corner is just a JPEG of one of the developer's cats because they were in a hurry and they're under a lot of pressure, so they just put it in. <laughs> oh my god, that's great! Why it. did they remove that? That's amazing. I bring this up because tragically this has been removed in the Blue Point remastering. Oh, uh, it's got like a little actual <laughs> actual icon fitting with its theme and world. What a shame. This cat that's a gorgeous cat picture. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh fortunately, all is not lost because they find another place to stick it. In their credit sequence, like hidden in the corner, where you can see that exact JPEG of a cat, <laughs> and you go, "Hooray! The legends have not been forgotten. The That's heroes have still been given the tribute that they deserve. What a relief!" That's amazing. I love it. I'll put a link in the description of the show for people to check that out because that is awful. Very, awesome. very charming. All right. I suppose we've avoided it for many weeks. Truth be told, we had a couple of news stories that were tangentially related to it, but yet for some reason we never actually spoke about it. Shall we discuss? The Twitch DMCA apocalypse. Yes. Okay. We did. We, I, we definitely brushed on it, but we've no, we've not strictly discussed it. Um, mm, which is kind of strange because it's huge. It is ongoing. It is relevant to the fact. Well, I mean, you stream, Lee. So yeah. I mean, you don't make any money from it. I don't. I don't. Terrible. <laughs> I don't think I got the email, but maybe Muir did. Actually, I didn't. No. All right. Cool. We're in the same club. Even though you actually do have a community. So <laughs> baffling news. You have people who could listen to music before you're stricken from the record. Yeah, and to be honest, I'm really, really surprised. 
surprised that I did not get the DMCA uh, a DMCA notice because I've played <laughs> like loads privileges. of stuff on on my stream that I should not have played, and yet <laughs> I didn't get that email, and I'm like, what? <laughs> I would be insulted by yeah. that. Just like, what, am I not big enough? Am I not important enough to get DMCA? Terrible. <laughs> I mean, you're hearing all you're hearing all sorts of horror stories, like uh, people being DMCA taken down, taken down from music that they 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 bought. The the Dragon Force guy got taken down for playing his own music on stream. <laughs> uh, people using sound effects that are that are open to the public, public domain, but they're still getting DMCA'd because an artist used those sound effects in a song that they made. Ugh, what a nightmare. <sighs> and Twitch has been sitting with their thumb up their ass the entire time going, oh, we're doing the best we can, even though this is a disaster that happened to YouTube, like, what, five years ago? Yeah, yeah. I, even it's crazy and frustration. It's frustrating as music that can be in segments of a game itself mm -hmm. the core reason why people are on twitch or its foundations come from uh that music can then mute your own stream as you're just for its inclusion even though it's part of the game you are streaming this is a disaster that's been coming out twitch like the like uh the road roller and that one austin power scene oh it's coming <laughs> at you very very slowly how could we have foreseen this we're doing the best we can but there's so much you know uh, streamers are just throwing out like days worth of content like literally 24 hours like just like hours and hours and hours worth of content because uh, they can be dmc striked for each individual stream vod oh no and and uh, if they get three then they're kicked off twitch jesus I didn't know so, that. Yeah, yeah. I they just Real kept muting the channel or the, the video. I didn't realize that you can get a re repeat offender kick. Oh yeah, yeah. And like YouTube, you YouTube, they take the marks off after I think a year. Um, they'll take like the oldest one off. Um, mm. but with Twitch, it's it's literally three strikes and you're out, and they they don't erase the marks. So you could get a DMCA from three years ago, and then a D a, a DMCA. Or two DMCA's tomorrow, and that's it. You're gone. Mm -hmm. Yikes. And Twitch is just offering a kind of you know half baked guide. Here, here are some guidelines that you can follow in order to ensure that no, it's not working. Oh, and I just lost my livelihood. Thanks, guys. Ugh. You know they're sort they're sort of putting the onus of this onto the individual, even though this is a failing of. It's a legislation thing because none of these, most of these DMCA takedowns are erroneous. They're dri being driven purely by the algorithm. Mm -hmm. And um, DMCA, I remind you, is an American piece of legislation. Uh, not everyone, most people on this aren't American. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, frustrating from a sovereignty point of view and it's frustrating from a regulatory point of view because the algorithm is shite. It doesn't work. <laughs> it's terrible. But hey, so long as amongst all the the casualties and collateral damage, you just get all the ones that they can be sued for, then I guess it's fine. So let me funny. Let me get this straight. You brought this up just just to catch our audience up on miserable news. Yes, absolutely, Lee. I have to end on a diner. That's <laughs> basically my job at this point. Good job, then. Yeah, I think I, I remember reading one tweet where someone said, um, "I I play a game that's music that has a lot of music in it. What do I do to keep from being accident? You know, DMCA from the music on this game." And Twitch's mm. response to this person was mute perish no their their response was mute 
the sound of in the game. Just mute the game completely. What? <laughs> so uh, it's, it's not like I'm entertaining people here. Why don't, why don't we just take out the visuals as well, just in case? You know, you don't, you don't yeah, know exactly. what what is and what isn't copyrighted material that you might be airing illegally. We're witness. <laughs> we're witnessing the taming of the Wild West here. This is the buffalo being killed. That's what this is. Yeah, it doesn't benefit anybody though. <laughs> Wait, I assume Taming the Wild West did benefit somebody at some point, right? Oh, I'm sure all the Western, you know, imperialists were pretty pleased. You know, the the colonists. Just, just realizing I was very laissez-faire about... I almost drew a line in, in the sand on something I don't really firmly understand the depth of, so... <laughs> Hey, forget about it. You're the, you're the editor. You have supreme control over how much of a fool you look like. Yeah, I, I always feel like I have to keep the, those parts in, in particular just because it's unfair that I wield that much power over what goes in and what goes out. So looking like an absolute dick needs to stay it's, in <laughs> and boring it's, stuff it, needs to be cut. <laughs> it's, it's only the fear of being humiliated on the internet that stops you from just <laughs> dropping M-bombs left and right. <laughs> Alright, uh, thus concludes Fectiman Podcast. Yes, this is how it ends. Um, <laughs> so, uh, thank you to our guest, Mir Dragoon. Dragon, goddamn. Man, what a, what a host. <laughs> uh, any, any parting advice, any parting thoughts? Well, to quote one of my favorite characters from one of my favorite films. No. <laughs> <laughs> Always look both ways before you cross the street. Never walk backwards when you should walk forwards. And always wipe front to back. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll know. I'll know if you haven't. <laughs> <laughs> ¶¶